Hope you enjoy my demo and my initial take. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just going to use this for Shadowrun episode. This is our new theme song. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> like, I did this for a while. A bonus, bonus karma and to ingratiate myself with Joe. And now I'm being punished. Why do you think you're being punished? That's what I want to know. Most musicians would want as much airplay as possible. Anywhere. I'm, I'm not a musician. Not, the song would beg to disagree. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think you know, point A. I didn't say a good musician. musician. <laughs> I just said That's a musician. <laughs> All right, hello folks, this is Roger coming to you on Monday, the whatever the fuck day it is, the 11th of June. We are going to be having an interesting show because we are in the midst of E3 right now. As is the norm, we split up the conferences, the pressers, and we each take our turns taking point. We've got this kind of split up as we've done in the past where we do a E3 Part 1, E3 Part 2 will be next week. So the stuff with Nintendo and Sony and whatnot. As well as anything else we see between now and then. Sony starts in 20 minutes, so you might get some live we're, No, we're not. No, don't fucking do it. I was going to tell you that during pre-show, but then I missed pre-show for good reasons. But yeah, so no, no. Uh, we're going to try to avoid that for this episode. And shouldn't be a problem. But fuck, we got enough to talk about. So we're going to start with the, well, the first one that dropped, and that was the EA one. So Marty, you're up. All right, let's start with FIFA 2019 because everybody. No, we don't have football. No, next. I'm it's kidding. a lore show. Yeah, <laughs> skip all the sports ball. What you don't want it? You don't want an awesome story about a corrupt nope. system? Come on, oh, that would right actually there. be. That, that would be, be better. Great, I would play the shit out of that game. <laughs> Give me a FIFA that's honest about the corruption in the organization. I will Listen, play I the shit out of that. I hear there's a secret level where the FIFA officials meet with all the dictators of the world to determine where the next World Cup's going to be in this game. <laughs> if that were true. <laughs> Even though I know it's money in their pocket, I would play the fucking... No, I'd pirate it and play it. Fuck those guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I would play it. All right, so Battlefield Five got a little bit more in-depth, but I'm going to skip over that because I feel like it's been talked a lot, a lot. Talked about a lot. Um... With EA, it had the magic words. What's that? Yeah, battle uh, EA, royale. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's the thing that everybody was talking about, and like, uh, yay, okay. Um, it does seem like the number one takeaway from EA's presentation was like, we've learned from Battlefront Two mostly, and there will be no loot boxes for any of the games that are coming up. With, I will argue one pay-to-play exception, which I'll say for the end. Uh, so we had Unravel 2 demoed, and dude. now you have Yarny and his friend. Oh, I'm sorry, what? I said, dude, that fucking looks awesome. Do we have a name for Blue Yarny yet? Yar Yarnonovich? <laughs> no, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was, it was something completely like that. I went looking for it. I couldn't find it, but does I think he, it was like... Does he I speak with a, a Russian accent? <laughs> Nah. So 
uh, looks looks like so much fun a couch co-op puzzle solving game with where you exploring memories again uh and people are going to weep playing this game but it's absolutely gorgeous and looks like a hell of a lot of fun a game that i think we'll pick up to play couch co-op on date night um we also have uh, Battlefront 2 is getting, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 will be getting uh, a Clone Wars update, including a new squad mode, more Starfighter action, uh, a point command and captures, command center capture game, uh, Clone Wars heroes. The next update we'll have from the solo movie uh, and a commitment to no more loot boxes, as if they That's have learned. Fucking awesome. This is one of those games where. Um, we really like Battlefront, my son and I. We we don't play it a ton, but we like it. Joe, I know you like it a lot as well. And so, like, we like were... past tense. Okay, okay. Uh, we were kind of looking forward to Battlefront too, but then, of course, the loot box controversy, and rightly so. So now that that's kind of settled, I'm kind of more on board with it. So if there's a ridiculously good sale, I'll pick it up. Because the moment they said Clone Wars... And General Grievous is going to be in it. It was like, oh, oh, okay, that kind of changes shit. <laughs> I'm willing to put up with a little bit of stupidity if you're giving me Clone Wars. So as soon as there's a decent sale on it, I think I will pick that one up. I was really happy to see the Donald Glover Lando in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was great. That was a pretty great video. And I like Clone Wars, especially the the cartoon and especially, you know, uh, General Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting off and doing all sorts of cool shit. Um I'm still, I'm more on Joe's side on this one. I'm not, I'm not, I did not, I watched every single presentation, including FIFA, NBA, and Madden. Uh, I'm not feeling EA, and I'll explain why. Anthem, coming out February 22nd, 2019. Um, the Variety article on this, written by Giancarlo Valdez, says flying is fun. It, uh, it looks great, and a lot of the other supporting articles are saying that this game was going right for the throat of destiny because where they excel will be with the story. Um, however, this appears to be a, a Bioware game where there is no potential for romance. And uh, you have four particular, basically Iron Man suits that you're going to fly in and you're going to save humanity after the gods left and the anthem of creation. The, the story trailer doesn't give a lot away. The gameplay trailer kind of looked fun, but I was yeah. underwhelmed by the flying. I was, I have not gone back to a Bioware game since Mass Effect Andromeda, See, and I cannot get the taste well, of that out of my mouth. <laughs> Here, yeah. here's, here's my concern with everything that I saw from the EA presser and everything that you've talked about so far, all the games that you've come out, is I get the sneaking vibe that they're not going to care about these games too much once they're released out into the wild. Like, the Battlefront 2 stuff yeah. seems like this last gasp to try to save face and better yet, save a franchise. But now that they can't squeeze blood from a stone with loot boxes in these games, which, I mean, let's be honest, FIFA was definitely going to be ripe for it. Madden was going to be ripe for it. Battlefront 2, obviously, we already know the history of that. Anthem could have very easily had it because we know that there are going to be microtransactions in Anthem uh, now because they flat out said that they in one of the that, interviews. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Raj. No, I was just saying they said that, yeah. Yeah. So now we we look at that. Now they can't do that anymore. And and Marty hasn't gotten into it yet, but the every game that we've talked about was actually not the most time that they spent on any one game throughout their entire presentation. 
that was for something completely different. And I'll let Marty go that route, but like, it, it, I think they're going to shift gears and I think they're going to go the microtransaction route. And I think they're going to move away from these big games because they can't bleed them anymore. So, yeah. Uh, are you talking either about the EA origins, uh, their, their new streaming, how they're pushing the streaming service, or are you talking about the mobile uh, command and conquer? Oh, Mobile God, I forgot about that. Jesus. Yeah, so that, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Marty. I don't mean to steal your thunder. He's here, talking but like, about the service, right I'm ahead. sure. <laughs> but like the problem is, is like I don't have a problem with mobile games. I think that they have a great place and that they they can be very cool experiences. Roger and I were actually talking about this uh, on Hangouts when things were going on. But they spent so much time trying to have like this pseudo esportsy feel with command and conquer while two people are sitting on mobile devices and and looking at it it doesn't feel like one command and conquer from what i saw <laughs> and two i think they're going to start pushing their mobile division more because you can fucking put microtransactions like mm -hmm. crazy in it oh hey uh you get uh five turns in this turn-based combat for free then you got to wait 24 hours unless you pay us five bucks then you can do it again and then you have to wait another, you know, 24 hours after that extra energy runs out or whatever. There's a ton of money to be bled from that. And I think that's where they're going to shift their focus. And with how much time and effort they put into, you know, Command and Conquer Mobile, like, I really feel that that's, that's going to be EA's new focus. And if that's the case, fuck you, EA. Yeah, I, I got a similar vibe from it, but I, like, was bouncing between a whole bunch of other things. And yeah, but so here was... Hold on, hold on. EA isn't actually developing Command, Command & Conquer, though, are they? They're just publishing it. But they're, they're direct... So I understand they're not the development company that are doing that, but that's also like saying anybody who Activision owns, Activision doesn't have any control in what they're developing. That's not the case. Oh, that's not what I'm saying. But to imply, and I can't believe I'm coming to the fucking defense of EA here. <laughs> Thanks for making me do that, Joe. Uh, but no, I think that saying that that is going to be the only thing that they do, or even the majority of what they do is probably disingenuous to them just because of the breadth of everything that they do. They do publish well, a lot of shit. Now, and justifiably, a lot of it is shit, let's be honest, and that's well, subjective, but I don't think that this is enough to, to think that. And and we talked about this. You know how I feel about that game. It was it looked horrible, in my opinion. It was one fucking screen. It didn't move around, and it would get so boring so fast and I'm kind of the target audience for that kind of game to a certain degree. You know, I, I enjoy those kinds of games, and I like sitting on the couch and while we're watching TV playing those types of games. So I should have seen this and thought, oh, I can't wait to give this a shot, actually. But all I kept thinking of is this is ridiculous. This is gonna. See, this is already fucking boring, and I haven't even played it yet. But th but that's the thing, like right, like, and I think I think that the the mark is that these are going to be directives that are going to be pushed down by EA. They're going to ruin otherwise fun games, just like loot boxes, right? Because these companies, like EA as a company, has to like they're beholden to their shareholders. They want to maximize that profit, and studios get directives it's the same thing that i was talking about before with like activision and and, and their control over certain titles right sorry okay. vince but can i say one thing vince then you can go okay mm -hmm. just i'm not saying that this is that this is happening or is going to happen however one of the things that i thought about when i was watching the bethesda presser 
which we can probably all agree was pretty fucking cool, um, was when he was talking about uh, a shelter, Fallout Shelter, and how there was 120 million people that have played it, more than all of their other games combined. So now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying this is what they're thinking, but if I'm running a studio, I'm thinking, okay, people care about our IPs, and people care about our games. We need to keep them invested in that any way we can, even if it means a loss on these titles because these titles are bringing in more money. So if the mobile platform for Shelter is bringing them a ton of money, presumably you would think so. 120 million people playing, they're raking in some pretty decent money off of that game. And they've got it on every fucking... I installed it on Switch. It actually plays really fucking well on Switch. <laughs> yeah. um, so the 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 way that I'm looking at it is if I'm running the company, I'm thinking, yeah, we're making a ton off of shelter, but that doesn't mean we have to make all our games in that same vein in order to monetize as much as we can, but rather that that's helping support those other titles, which (laughs) are not making quite as much, but again, those franchises and IP are, are important. We need to retain fans. I'm not saying that's what they're doing. I'm not saying that's what they're going to be doing. But I'm saying that if I was running a studio, that would be at the forefront of my mind. I'll let Vince talk and then I'll respond to that. I, I, I think what we noticed here is a lot of, you know, what is EA willing to put their effort into? And we've seen like as much as their sports title sells, much as FIFA and Madden are always going to be like the two top selling games of the year for them. They've shown they're not really cared about putting too much effort into them, even though they come out with a new edition every year. They don't really change much except every three to four years. But the thing that was just the icing on the cake for this entire presentation for me was, again, looking at effort, the announcing of the new fucking Star Wars game from Respawn yeah. Entertainment. Like, oh, God. Uh, yeah. That was a throwaway. You have the, the biggest franchise in the history of all of pop culture from a very well-respected studio and... <laughs> that's what you got like you can't even give us a graphic with the title it was it it, it definitely felt like ea doesn't care now that might not be true but that's how it felt yeah and and the thing is like in roger i get where your point is coming from and i don't disagree with you um that if i was running a company that's what my focus would be but the difference between us and the difference between a lot of executives and is we sort of have that morality of the common man of that person that's in the trenches, you know, that plays these games. And we are that fan base that we want these companies to, you know, care about us in such a way that they want to keep us loyal to these games and, and give us good experiences. When the truth is EA in particular has shown that they're very, very short sighted and very clearly just want to grab and run. Oh, I don't disagree with that. I I don't disagree one bit. And, and again, I I don't want to seem naive here and say that I expect this is what's happening. I'm being very optimistic when I say I really hope that more developers think that way because they're all at a point right now where the manner in which they were making the most of their money, well, that rug has been ripped out from under their feet. 
And so now that's why we got so many no loot boxes, no loot boxes, none of that shit during so many pressers because they found out. So now they need to find a new way to monetize. Sure. So I'm just saying from I'm hoping that you have some intelligent people up there that are saying, you know what, if we retain the integrity of the IPs, but do this on the side that makes us a fuck ton of money, we can do both. And we can hire a lot of people. And I know that's not always how it works when you have to, you're beholden to board members and shit like that. But sometimes even they can hear logic and say, okay, let's give it a shot and see if that works. And, and that would be my hope. But my, my, I totally forgot what I was going to say, but I actually had a, a, a valid point for this. It's just, I, I want that to be the case. But it probably won't be. But until that, until I see that start happening, I just want these, these, small like these these game studios these companies underneath these umbrellas find ways to weasel out of it or go break out on their own or have something that's more successful as far as their own spinoff because oh that's what it one of the things that you see and this is particularly with the ea2 is you notice they kept talking about the streaming service they want to maximize engagement and the reason they want to maximize engagement to the to credit of what you're saying is not because they want people to care about their games it's because when you can create a scenario in which a player is spending tons of time in your game world or games period, you maximize the potential for them to have incidental spending. And this is something that we see with a lot of other games as well. I mean, MMOs have been doing this sort of thing for years. Wow. Does it now where it's, what can we do to keep players in the game? Because not only are we going to get that sub money, you know, that player that's spending a hundred hours, uh, um, you know, every two weeks in this game world is more likely to buy a service that they don't necessarily maybe need, but like, hey, you know, I wonder what it'd be like to have my my character be this race instead. And so they can try to get you on incidentals that way. And a lot of the free-to-play games follow that model too. Uh, ESO is a, a great example of that, which we'll, we'll talk about later on, but ESO, even Wildstar moved to that model. Lord of the Rings Online, while it was functioning at its peak, was doing the same thing. And it was trying to create these experiences that pulled players in. And EA definitely seems that that's where they want to shift their focus, especially with the game streaming services, where it's, hey, for one low price, you can play all of these games that we are going to make available to you through our play program. And No, really, use a more patronizing tone. <laughs> I, mean, I will. Like, I, I will. But that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like to me, because it was like there, there was no information about it. There was no. There, there wasn't really like... Oh, this is how much it's going to cost because they haven't really thought it out. They're just like games as service. We can do this. No, no, the pass is out right now. Yep. You can buy it. It's six. It's sixty bucks for six months. Uh, there's a sale at Best Buy. You can get it for thirty bucks actually for six months. Really? Yeah. Eh. <laughs> really? Me. You're gonna say eh for? I mean, if a you thirty dollars sale a year on it, it's paid for itself. Yeah. Plus, you'd have access to now. Again, this is one of those things where, like, you were really nailing on it in G Talk, and I was going, "Okay, we'll talk about it during the show," because I legitimately, legitimately want to hear what your gripes are. Because if it's the equivalent of paying for Netflix, fuck, sign me up. I'm all right with that, and and even but, if it's the EA ones, but like, I mean, I would still have a lot of the games, some of them that I well, do want to play, like Horizon or not Horizon, sorry, uh, uh, Forza. Then, I mean, again, for 30 bucks, even at 60 bucks for six months, that's again, like Vince well, was saying, the cost of hold on, motherfucker. <laughs> that's that's one game. So, I 
I don't see as much negative with this as you do. Sure. And how long until it, that $60 pass for that six months only encompasses X amount of games? Or there's multiple tier oh, levels of system dude. with it. Yeah, but you're but envisioning it, the saw worst this, there. No, we we saw, really? Because we saw this with the uh, Sony PlayStation Network Access. We saw this with Xbox Live. We saw this with those services that, that started tearing out that what they made available to players and increasing the cost accordingly because they can. What are you and talking so, about Xbox Live? Xbox Live, you still get a bunch of free games every month. Xbox Live used to be completely free. Then they moved to oh, a model. When me, was when that? Was, it was many years ago when the 360 was out. Then it's late in the life cycle of the 360. Then it required a minimal payment uh, to have access to play. And it was something stupid like $30 a year. And now how much is it a year just to be able to play games with friends? You can't play games with people unless you have it. I'm not saying I'm just using that as a base example. PlayStation Network did the same thing where now you pay a premium. It's not as bad as the Xbox, but it's still there. There's still a premium service attached to it. How long before we start seeing game companies starting to do something like that, which is this is a concern of mine. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm just pointing it out because I could see very clearly where they were making a big point of, oh, this will be available on this service day of release. Well, what if that stops happening unless you have the gold member service or the platinum service or whatever the case is, and then you start having those spiraling costs? It's just a concern. I'm not saying that it's going to be the case, but I can see where they could very easily do that, and players will pay for it. I'm not going to lie, and this is, it's going to sound disrespectful, but it's not intended that way. It's, It sounds very tinfoil hat-ish because you're envisioning like the absolute worst based not on the facts that they presented about what the service is now, but what you think it might become because of mistakes that were made in the past. Whereas you could be thinking of it in a more positive light of maybe they've learned from those mistakes. Maybe they even learned about the mistakes that Sony made, which any good company would learn from their competitors' mistakes as well. And maybe this service will be something that is actually good. Again, when you're looking at so many games that are saying, yeah, it's going to be available day one on our on the, the, the Access Pass, that's a good thing. And, and whether they change the levels of Access later on, who knows? But... That's tinfoil hatting. You're expecting the worst. You know what? You can say that that it's tinfoil hatting, and that's fine. I'm judging this not based off of what the game companies have been doing so far, but what other people in the industry of streaming have been doing over the course of the last two years and how that industry is going, and this is very closely modeling it. And I would love to be proven wrong. I want to be proven wrong. I want this to be a great service. I want this to be like the old Sega uh, TV cable service that you used to get back in the day when it was $6 a month on your cable bill and you got unlimited access to every Sega title that you downloaded to your Genesis. I want it to be that. I don't know if it will stay that way. But I want that, it to. We're not, that's, that's decades ago. That's, that's, that's gone now. Let me ask you this. We should move on after that, but let me ask you one quick question. Sure. Do you then think that both the Xbox Live gold as well as ps plus taking into consideration the free games that you get and how much it costs do you think that's a bad deal i'm not talking about oh it's changed over the years and and it's mandatory no 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 no. we can agree on a lot of those different things but i'm just saying as a service that's provided now taking into consideration all the games that you get for free do you think that it's unreasonable i think that the price is actually a little bit high yes okay okay fair enough okay marty you want to move on 
I, I just want to just want to say one other thing that I, I agree a lot with Joe on this because uh, EA doesn't have the benefit of the doubt anymore. They blew it. They have to earn it back. So where was I? Okay. I think you only uh, had we talked one about, left on EA. But, oh, we got a lot. We got a couple of games left on EA. Um, so we talked about we talked about Command and Conquer and how that does not look fun. It doesn't look like uh, you know a one screen uh, mobile real time strategy game that is inspired by Clash of Clans and is going to be monetized the hell out of. It does not have anything to do with anything I want to play. It just doesn't also look like Command and Conquer. It just doesn't feel like the gameplay that I watched. It was it was really boring. And, and kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then uh, the game that I really want to talk about that I was super excited about is Sea of Solitude. <laughs> um, so did you, I watched Cornelia Gephardt, the founder of Joy May Studio from Germany, talk about, you know, when humans are lonely, they become monsters. And then just talk about the process of the game, the 90, 90 second story trailer that they have with this girl named Kay, who the more lonely she is, the more of a monster she becomes. She's going on this quest to find out what happened and how she can revert back to being a human. Um, the gameplay looks like it's kind of a puzzle, kind of horror, uh, that you can play it one way and just explore the beautiful textures in the world that they built, or you can peel back a layer and get all crazy horrified, and I am so down for that. Uh, Cornelia Gephardt's presentation was also just incredibly charming as she's really excited to be up at E3 talking about her game and uh, like being really excited that she was bought up by a major publisher like EA. Um, but I am super excited about this game. I, I am as well. That's one of the ones that I was talking a lot about. Um, Joe and I talked about it a little bit too. Oh, yeah. The thing about this game is that when she was first describing it, that when people suffer from loneliness, they turn into monsters. I was actually concerned because again, you're talking about depression and you're saying that when people get depressed, they are turning into monsters. And I thought, Ooh, this is going to be really a, a high wire act here. If this is the concept you're going with, but then you hear from this woman and you find out she's talking from a personal place and she's talking about how she felt when she was going through this and kind of worked on this game from there. And based on that alone, that was enough for me to say, okay, yeah, no, you've got me. I, I want to see your interpretation of depression and mental illness and how you can help and things like that in this very clever way and this gorgeous style and what might be very interesting gameplay as well. So had it not yeah, been for her presentation, I would have been very weary of buying the game. But after seeing her presentation, like you said, I, pff, oh, day one, I'm buying this and I cannot wait to play it. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't take away the depression bit. I was focused on the word. I didn't hear say depression. I heard loneliness. And there's a, yeah, but when for me, there's about, a huge difference too. Um, okay. Mostly because like I had to learn DSM four and the DSM three TR. So it's different for me. What are you saying, Roger? Nothing. Go ahead. Yeah. And so, but I, I agree. Like I could see taking it away, the, like the portrayal of mental illness and, or just really uh, complicated social things like loneliness and anger and depression can turn a, a game, turn me off to a game really quickly. 
or just have a weird presentation about it. But this looks good to me um, from both the game standpoint and from like the mental health standpoint. And then, yeah, like Jedi Fallen Order. All we know is that it's after episode three and we get a lightsaber. Yay. It's dark times. I, I want more than that. Dark times. Great. Like it's, it's, we're always hearing about dark times. What I want to see more because this, uh, this is the same studio that brought us Titanfall 2, which is an amazingly fun game to play. That's just so fast and frantic and, and gorgeous and beautiful. I want to see their take on the Star Wars Jedi game. I want a lightsaber, but I get nothing. Um, that's yeah, that's worse than giving me uh, than not saying anything because now I have this idea and nothing to base it on. That's worse than, than Battlefront, a, I guess. That's worse than a drone flyby and Elder Scrolls Six. <laughs> yep. All right, so that was it for EA then, right? That was it for EA, um, other than the streaming service that we talked about a little bit. Okay, let's move on to Microsoft, which you are taking point on as well, so hit it. Okay. Uh, Microsoft's presentation, uh, all the games that they were putting forward, um, in addition to watching the conference, there's a lot of articles about Microsoft's big lack of games, uh, lack of exclusivity um, content. Uh We'll skip over really quickly. I'll mention in passing, they're already working on the next generation of Xbox. Go figure. Um, they did not debut the Elite Controller 2. Who cares? Uh, first, uh, Halo Infinite, which was also rumored to be done by Bungie, but no, it's 343 Studios. The return of Master Chief. Uh, he puts an AI in the back of his helmet. It was a beautiful game, and it reminded me why I fell in love with the franchise so long ago that it, I bought an Xbox for it. Um, but I haven't played since Marathon. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I said Marathon because in my notes, the last game of the Marathon series was Marathon Infinity. This is Halo Infinite. The connection between those two games is, you know, there's not one for one, but it's all there. It's in its DNA. It looks great. Um, but... I'm not so sure uh, I'm going to be jumping back into the Halo platform. Like the 343 games didn't really excite me. Um, what about you guys? Any interest in the Halo series? Uh, in the I was, series? Yes. Yeah, I was like you, Marty. I was a huge fan until the splits and Halo 4 was not good. I didn't even bother with Halo 5. Yeah. I take it like Mike Coulter is John Locke, I believe, or well, one of the one of the Spartans that chases after Master Chief, but like, I couldn't care less. Um, there was a Halo movie that I watched on Netflix that was a lot of fun, but I don't even remember the name of that one. So couldn't have been that great either, I guess. Uh, Gears of War 5 is also coming out, starring uh, the character from Gears of War 4, Kate Diaz, Marcus Phoenix is in it, and they're going back to where it all started. And there's some sort of weird like mind meldy thing between Kate and the locusts. So it looks interesting. Um, we didn't see a chainsaw gun. So I'm kind of disappointed about that. Cause that was the best part of gears of war. Uh, but it looks interesting. I look here. Joe, you talked about Ori in the notes. Oh, did you want to jump in here, Raj? No, no, I was just saying the only gears I cared about was the pop one. 
Yeah, give me that Funko Pop game. I'll, I'm oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. That's all I cared about. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot. Yeah. And it, it, did, it did not put, I didn't put in the notes. So yeah, there's a Gears of War Funko Pop game and a Gears of War real-time strategy game that's coming Yeah, the out. tactics. Yeah, which, I mean, those those types of games, like, I, I have yet to play. Um, I didn't I didn't pick up the rest of the Gears of War series on the Xbox, so. Um, but but Joe, you mentioned Ori, and you're talking about how beautiful it was. Do you want to take? Do you want to take this one? I mean, you just want to stop talking, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, well, I think you would do a better job because, like, I did not play the original, and this game looks really. Great. Yeah, that's actually fairly surprising. So yeah, Ori two visually, like I think Roger and I at the same time typed out, "This is fucking gorgeous." Yeah. Um, but it looks absolutely gorgeous, and we don't really know a whole lot about it so much as like what's going on with it. Uh, but in Ori 1, one of your main antagonists was basically a giant owl that wanted to eat your face. Um, in this one, it's apparently you have a baby pet owl thing that you pal around with. That's kind of cool. Uh, it it just looks like it's going to be everything that we love about the Metroidvania uh, genre that Ori brought with it in the first time. Amp it up a little bit. And I'm hoping slightly better controls. Uh, because that was one of my gripes about the first game is that the controls are very sticky. Um, but yeah, it just, it looks like it's going to be a perfect continuation of what happened in the first game. So one of the reasons why I wanted you to speak on it is because I wanted to tell this. Uh, as I was watching through all the gameplay videos again, the Gears of War trailer was replaying in the background. And so I was really confused about what was going on because I was hearing Gears of War and then seeing all the Ori stuff, and it did not make any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, so I had to watch it again, but, like, I was really taken aback when they were talking about the Locust in Ori. So um, let's also talk about the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit, uh, which is a show favorite uh, Life is Strange universe game where you play as a young boy who is very talented and imaginative and creative, but not very physically strong. His father is clearly an alcoholic or is a, is pre-gaming as an alcoholic. Uh, the game looked so great in terms of like evoking what it means to be a kid and with imagination. And also the darker sides of being a kid where you're like, I know enough to know that my dad should be drinking beer at nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, this game looks like it's going to be not necessarily a lot of fun, but a pretty good addition to the uh, Life is Strange universe. This, I, I'm not going to lie, this blew me away as I was watching it. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this looks fucking amazing. And it's in the same universe as Life is Strange, which means, okay, they're really world building here. So that's that's very cool. I love the the how his storytelling abilities allow him to have quote-unquote powers kind of thing in his mind and things like that and how that will affect encounters or conversations and things like that in all honesty the only thing i did not like about this was the woman in the refrigerator trope with his mom having to be dead uh that Again, that's a trope we've had enough of. It'd be nice if they would have chosen something different than that and the alcoholic father. That being said, still, that is still a reality of life, so whatever. And the fact that it's free is kind of batshit crazy to me. I understand they want to get yeah. people interested and get them really hooked into this 
the Life is Strange universe and and hope that that will translate into sales for Life is Strange 2. And if that's the case, more fucking power to you. And we'll be talking about this game on the podcast because it's A, free, it's Don't Nod, it's in the Life is Strange universe, and I'm fucking playing it, and I have a feeling you guys will as well. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it comes out pretty soon. Um, Like, what, the 16th, so by the time this podcast is out, it'll probably be out. So looking forward to that. Uh, Crackdown 3 is coming. It got postponed again, and the only thing I took away from this game is, like, it looks neat. Uh, Terry Crews is funny and cool guys walk away from explosions. And that was like done over and over again to the point of ridiculousness, uh, which is also the game Crackdown 3 is supposed to be just off the wall or in the case of this game, particular writing your digital car up a wall, then you turn it into a tank because you can. Um, not my type of game, but it looks like people are going to enjoy it a lot. It's been through uh, a lot of changes from when it was first announced and had a completely different art style to now. Now it looks like fucking Gearbox could have made this. And and it, it could have been from an idea of, okay, how do we take Borderlands and put it in a sci-fi setting? That's kind of what it felt like and even to a certain degree looked like to me. Wait a minute. And I'm all right with that. Sci-fi settings. Borderlands already is a sci-fi setting. <laughs> no, no. I'm talking, sorry, futuristic sci-fi setting that's not just fucking <laughs> shit falling apart everywhere. Borderlands in a proper sci-fi setting. Yeah, really. But again, depending on the cost and certainly not right away, I'll get it when it's on sale, but I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it for sure. Yeah, I'll, maybe I'll give it a, a, a look-see. Uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Oh. Uh, by uh the company the, from the, software from software it looks like it's going to be it's it's pretty bleak and a muted uh color palette except for red uh and i'm excited to play this game because doesn't want a grappling prosthetic arm uh made by some really weird looking dude uh and then you just pull out weapons and swords and you don't die this game looks, looks like it's going to be just crazy good fun i i mean it's basically neo but better and like neo wasn't terrible but like bloodborne was definitely better than neo and this is basically <laughs> what would happen if you took that same setting and just bloodborne it and i'm all 100 on board with this neo was the best souls type game not made by the people who made the souls games <laughs> so yeah. this is there and like i remember and when they, they turned to go like we could do that better yeah. let's go well i remember they teased this last year and everybody was wondering if it was going to be bloodborne too so this was announced and on one hand i was really upset because i fucking love bloodborne but on the other hand i was really happy because from software is never better than when they're actually doing something new so mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm actually really excited for this. Well, especially when you consider that they're making this game after everything they learned from now mm -hmm. four titles in this style of game, right? Like they've had years to perfect this. They know what they're doing and now they can just take it one step further. So yes, please. Uh, I'm going to Todd Howard was also at the Microsoft um, presentation talking about fallout 76, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get to the Bethesda presentation yeah. um so yeah you bet uh, your sweet bibby we will four times as large as how as fallout 4 and you know what i i keep saying how much i didn't care for fallout 4 
I'm going to try Fallout 76. I'm a sucker. Uh, Let's save that for the actual Bethesda one, though. Yeah. That's all I was going to say about it. I'm just going being procedural here with my notes. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. is. He says after (laughs) skipping Metro. Oh, no. I have. I'm not going in order of like the presentation. I'm going in order of my notes. There's uh, one more thing before. How the fuck do you take notes? Because they're not in order. (laughs) Here's how I took notes. Did it interest me? If it interested me and pulled me into it, I like researched it and looked into it. And I I have a whole bunch of stuff about Metro. You are an interesting man, Marty. Kingdom Hearts 3. I didn't care for the Kingdom Hearts games. It's, you know, Final Fantasy meets Disney. And that's great. It's just not my not my jam. Um, but it looks like a lot of fun and they're talking about, you know, there, there's, uh, they're integrating it with the frozen universe and we're going to see more of the Disney characters. Herc made an appearance. Um, yeah. If somebody else wants to jump in and talk about kingdom hearts, uh, I saw the gameplay trailer. It looks like a lot Honestly, of fun. There's nothing we can say that's going to be more coherent than what you have on this game. <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> about that. <laughs> actually, Joe was really pumped. I actually am really into the series. Uh, this is one of the most anticipated titles in my household, uh, and the fact that we're going to be getting, we got a release date for it finally See, is. I, is I knew your household was really into the series. I wasn't <laughs> sure how much of that was uh, the, carried by your side of the equation. I actually really do enjoy the games. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, they're not don't don't go into them for plot. They're not some big epic thing, uh, but they're just fun and they're really great like RPG ish romp through disney worlds and i thought one of the coolest things that they did is like it's not just frozen that's being brought in there's wreck it ralph uh there's tangled there's a whole entire universe like world dedicated to tangled which i thought was interesting because one of the coolest things from that presentation is somebody took uh, a screenshot of the i can never remember her name but basically rapunzel um and they had the scene where from the movie she sits there and she sees the mural of her family and has this look on her face where it's like, oh, and oh my God, that's me. And that's one of those big heart touch, heartwarming, touching moments. They showed that in the game because it's in the game. They did a side-by-side comparison of the original animation for it and that scene and how much better that scene looks on the fucking hardware. Like, on the, on, like they, I think the one I saw was like the PlayStation. It wasn't even like the PlayStation Pro. It was the PlayStation 4. Uh, but it looks absolutely gorgeous. A lot of the story beats are, are going to be your, your typical tropes, but we get to go to Toy Story World. And Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. is going to be a huge thing. We're, and one of the cool things about the games themselves is in Kingdom Hearts, when you go to the different worlds, in order to sort of blend in, the magic kind of blends you to meet the world. So, like, if you're in, you know, Herxland in the games, you are in a toga. Uh, and so is, you know, Donald and, and Goofy, who are your squad mates. Uh, if you are in Monsters, Inc. land, you become a monster, as does Donald and as does Goofy. And it's kind of when you're in the Little Mermaid Kingdom, you become mermaids. Like It's just one of those little cool, nice, nifty little touches that the game brings, you know, to you. So it's it's cool. It looks fantastic. I I didn't play any of them. My, my youngest did. And actually, he was when we were talking about E three. I was telling him about him and telling him about all the different things, and he was legitimately thought it sounded very exciting as well. The thing is, is that again, these these movies aren't just for kids. This, clearly, adults enjoy them as well, and not just weird adults. 
Karen and I watch these cartoons as well. And whether it's Disney or Pixar or Miyazaki stuff kind of stuff. So like, even though I haven't played this and I don't have the history with the IP, as I was watching this trailer, all the stuff with Frozen was either very funny or kind of at the end with Elsa, you're going, ooh, I kind of want to see what happened there. <laughs> and the stuff with Wreck-It Ralph, I'm like, that could be a lot of fun. So Yeah, that would be I, a lot of fun. I, I know all of these IPs because either A, they came before... I had the kids, so I know them from my youth or thereafter where we watched them with the kids. So there's a lot still of fond memories for me as an adult because I watch them with my children. So when I see stuff with Hercules, I'm like, I'm not thinking, oh, that's just a kid's thing. I'm thinking, oh, I remember watching that on VHS when I rented it from Blockbuster when I was working there to watch with the kids. And we watched it over and over again and, and all of these things. So... The IP stands. I, I thought it looked fantastic. Yeah, the IP stands, but and that's great. And tying it in with with a fantasy Final Fantasy yeah. style gameplay is good. It just doesn't doesn't ring my bell. One of my Which favorite things that I've done today is watching like various trailer reactions and like compilations and whatnot, and <laughs> noticing the incredible distance between people who actually know the Kingdom Hearts lore mm -hmm. and people that don't. With regards to the last scene in this trailer where that female character is revealed to be somebody <laughs> and people who know the franchise lost their shit. <laughs> people who were casual fans, like maybe like myself that played the first two and didn't look at any of the rest of it went, oh, it's a person. <laughs> okay, hold on. I thought that was Elsa turned evil. No, no. that was Kyrie. Oh, no, okay, that's well, not Kyrie either. I thought it was Kyrie. No, it's somebody I've never heard of. I, I thought it was Kyrie at first, but no, it's somebody else I've never heard of. It's like Sona or Sana. I don't know. Fuck you all. I think it's Elsa. <laughs> you know what, Roger? I like your version of this game better. We're going to go with that. <laughs> it's Elsa Fair turned enough. evil. All right, let's move on. <laughs> okay, so after we turn Elsa evil in Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, there was talk about... Uh, the initiative program at Microsoft regarding uh, incorporating uh, and buying out like a ton of indie studios, including the company behind uh, Hellblade, uh, Forza Motorsports, and We Happy Few, which uh, my friend, uh, my friends at Darkadia have talked about a lot, and I'm excited to play that like 1984 Orwellian style game. Uh, but it's also clearly an attempt for uh, Microsoft to just get up its bona fides for its exclusive game content, or at the very least expand their game developer studio. Since weirdly they cut it a couple years ago for weird economic reasons. So let's move on to Metro Exodus, uh, where it's set in the Volga. Uh, and Hondo, I think from the Clone Wars is the voice of the Rasputin style preacher man who is talking about uh, the blood and the heretics that are coming uh, it's the third game in the Metro series, which is based on Dmitry Gustav's book of the same name, where we have a post-apocalyptic Russians dealing with, I guess, just a regular winter for them, because nuclear winter is probably the same as a regular Russian winter, um, going through and dealing with gargoyles and werebats, and I didn't know, and zombies, uh, picking them up by the throat and punching them in the face, which, again... That seems kind of neat to me. It's uh, not Michael Rooker, by the way. 
Unless it's, it, it's not Michael Rooker. Unless his it's uncredited because I'm on his uh, IMDb and it's it's not showing oh. Metro on there at all. But I I was listening to his voice. I'm like that totally sounds like the voice actor who does Hondo. Yeah, no, it's not him. Yeah. Well, regardless of voice actor, yeah, exactly, yeah, is. exactly. Uh, and so the uh, I don't know how many books there are in the Metro in the. Uh, metro series but this is on the volga river and you're going outside and i believe you are the same character the uh ranger who is leading people to safety and dealing with the post-apocalyptic russian issue uh next up is the division two where we got to see a gameplay trailer go and they're in dc uh the best part of the division two was the ai is the same voice actor who played garris in mass effect um i I played, uh, you know, The Division a lot uh, with my buddy Will. Uh, it's a decent game. This is a lot, looks like a lot more, like, improving on and building on the improvements that they've made over D1 for the past year, uh, where the uh, cover mechanics are still intact, the inventory system looks like to be a little bit more streamlined, and the storyline uh, is still uh, the United States recovering from this awful you know, created uh, disease and uh, it's a biological apocalypse. So moving on from, and it's set in DC, which I recognize the botanic gardens. Cause I think I was, I was in them uh, like a year or two ago and it was pretty like, I know where that is. Uh, the coolest set piece was the downed uh, air force one that's deteriorating. It's got a hole in it and looks like somebody blew it up. And then you hear some sort of weird loud, machine noises and you go retake the capital so let me ask you guys something here because i am the lone canadian amongst you three americans as i was watching that video and especially because of the words chosen by the presenter when he's saying america's being ripped apart and i'm thinking wow that's chilling but you don't realize why like it it, it kind of felt tone deaf to be presenting this in this time I don't know if you guys felt the same way as you were watching it because you have these these factions that are taking the laws into their own hands even though they don't have any military or police credentials with big weapons and taking over areas and making their own laws and executing people if they don't yeah. quote unquote follow the law and Far as Cry 5 did that too. What's that? That was the whole stick of Far Cry 5. I agree, but I thought that it was done a little differently in Far Cry 5. It, 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 and that's based only on what I've seen thus far. It's possible that the two games are damn near identical in content, but I'm going off of what I, I felt so, looking at it. And looking at this, so much of it felt really tone deaf. The other thing, too, that I will say, even if you say it's pretty much identical to Far Cry 5, I will say this. And, and you guys all know this, too, because you're living through it as well, more so than us outside. Everything is changing so rapidly that something that a few months ago would have been, oh, I see what you're doing there, and yeah, that'll be fun, to now when there are different realities and shit has gotten consistently worse, that now when you're getting 
similar theme things, you're going, yeah, you know what? Not anymore. It, it just doesn't feel right. And that might have just been me, but that was very much how I felt. I think that you... I can understand where you're coming from. I don't necessarily agree. I don't think it was tone deaf. Uh, and I think more now than ever, these games are kind of important. And the reason I say that is not because I think they're going to be fantastic games. I didn't really care for the first Division game. Um, it's that these themes are sort of... While some people play games for escape, a lot of people play them for having control. And I didn't take it necessarily as... You know, tone deaf, I actually found them to be almost subversive, if that makes sense, where it's, yes, this is the world you're living in. This is what's happening. These are, here are the parallels that are occurring right the hell now, right in front of you. And honestly, giving players a way to sort of, or giving people a way to play through that content and take control, take charge and fight back or do that liberation on their own. It's, for lack of a better term, can be a godsend for their their own mental health. So honestly, okay. I, I understand what you're saying and I, I believe you. Okay. So, so I, like I said, I don't think it's tone deaf. I think it's, I think it's the right time. I, I, I feel differently, but I, I completely see what you're saying. And for anybody who's going into it with that mindset, pff, more power to you. And I hope you love it. All right, Marty. So yeah, that's the division two. Um, I'm going to save the game, the other game I'm really looking forward to uh, for the end. Um, the De Devil May Cry 5 is coming out, a direct sequel to Devil May Cry 4, um, yeah. not based on the reboot DMC. Uh, very Capcom-y looking game with demons and sword fighting and guns. It, it seems like it's going to be a, a good game, but I there's when looking up past the... Um, the trailers and finding what was going on with this game. It was insane how much uh, people were like, this isn't devil may cry. This is garbage. Um, which is another theme that I found looking into a lot of these games. Um, yeah. Gamers are overly opinionated. Cause it's not In today's Dante, news. Zero, water yeah, is also wet. <laughs> That was 100% it is because it was Nero and you didn't see Dante until the very end of the trailer. And I was watching people's reaction throughout the entire thing. Be like, oh, well, this isn't Devil May Cry, fucking Nero, blah, blah, blah. And then they saw that one scene with Dante. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's all better now. Like, you fucking dicks. I, this was the perfect amount of cheese that I want from a Devil May Cry game. I don't want a Devil May Cry game to be good. Like, I want it to play well. I want it to be interesting. But I don't want it to be good. I want it to be cheesy and over the top. No and seriousness. this is exactly what they gave us. And I'm not going to lie. I've listened to that song five or six times today because it's he catchy as hell. on his hand. <laughs> he surfs on his own hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. I'll do it. Uh, so in addition to that, we have a uh, Cuphead DLC yes. uh, with the delicious last course, which is I, also the initials for DLC. I was just going to say that was very clever of them. That was, I mean, introducing a new character, a female Cuphead. Uh, this game looks like I, it's it's a game that um, I like to watch streaming. It's one of the few games that I will watch people play. 
because uh, just because you're like so you can't play it yourself. I don't want to find out how <laughs> how bad my Twitch skills and my platforming skills have deteriorated. Dude, it's a fucking hard game. Like no shit, it is fucking hard, but glorious. <laughs> When you finish a level that has been plaguing you for a while, it is one of those rare games where you the arms are up and you're cheering. Like, that's why Tristan and I play it, and we adore that fucking game. That's awesome. Uh, Daylight 2 is also coming out. It is it's continuing in the style of the zombie outbreak game set in Paris, still with parkour, but this time they're adding uh, faction mechanics dialogue trees and more consequences for some of your actions within the game it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun like uh the, the parkour games are are have a tendency to be a lot of fun um i'm kind of done with the zombie fairy thing but it does look like it's going to be great dying light was really good dying light was very good uh, joe and it i was. talked about that oh, yeah. quite a bit as i was playing it he'd already played through a bunch of it and it's a fucking good game like when I saw this and saw the mechanics that they're using, and again, we're, we're in a time much like, the, again, things are changing. Now it's that your choices, your choices, your choices. And a lot of times when they're saying that, you're going, yeah, you're saying that, but I know it's, it's a load of bullshit. Even if it's just a little bit in, in uh, Dying Light 2, I'm like, I'm, I'm good with that. But then they showed the impact yep. that it actually has. And I was like, holy fucking hell, that's a lot more than I thought. Okay, yeah, you got me. I, I will buy that fucking game too. Because, yeah, they 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 prove their worth with Dying Light. So this is just, I, I have faith in them. And this is, I was going to say, this is just expanding on what they already started on in the following, right? Like, this is already stuff that they were trying to do back then. And just sort of i don't want to say hit the limit but like they could have done an entire new expansion to start to introduce this or in this case just make an entire new fucking yeah. game yeah at least with what they showed here it's not the traditional like moral questions that we see in a lot of games whereas here again with specifically the situation there really is no right answer which if they can continue giving like actual weight to your decisions as the game goes on that's that's really impressive. But I actually never played the first game, so I have a, a question for you guys. Um, I remember, like, the parkour and traversal being an important part of the first game, but in, in the videos I saw, I don't remember it being quite as mirrors edgy as we saw here. Have they, like, really enhanced the parkour, or am I just misremembering the first game? They've definitely ramped it up from the what I can see in the trailer. I mean, it was very heavy in uh, the first game, but there wasn't a lot of quick direction changing like mm -hmm. you're seeing um but that also is because in the first game at least from what i can tell uh the sprawling city layouts were more there was more space between buildings there wasn't right. quite enough area to really do something like that uh, but even in the training section of the first game you do do sort of things like you know run up one wall kick off go up the other wall like stuff like that uh, it just wasn't really present nearly as much. The other but thing, sorry, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say they just turned it up to eleven from the parkour. All right. The only thing that I would say is in one, there were a lot of opportunities to go fucking batshit crazy with parkour, or you could just kind of hop down, jump on that bus, and 
you know, kill some zombies or jump here. There were a lot of options depending on where how you wanted to move around. So even though they kind of sold it as this amazing parkour game, you could get through a, a large portion of the game without doing anything that's fancier than you would have done in like Left 4 Dead or whatever. Just kind of jumping up or climbing shit or whatever. It might be a little fancier with a few jumps, but not that much. Like I had some moments in, in Dying Light where I was like, holy shit, that was fucking awesome. Like I can't believe my character just did that. But there were a lot more uh, scenes where it was just me going, I'm just going to go over here. Like, I, I don't need to try to be fancy here and all that. No, I'm an old fucking man with a cane. I'm just going to jump down there. <laughs> That's more realistic for me. And and I did a little of both, but a lot more of just normal play style. So I, I don't know that what that's going to mean for two, but that's what it was like in one for me. I'm tempted to go look at it and pick it up. And uh, before we get to the last game, last couple of games, I do want to say, uh, there's a special now out for Xbox for their Game Pass game streaming library thing. One dollar for this month, and then nine ninety nine for the re- you know every other month thereafter. Uh, and the games they just added, I think the entirety, <clears throat> the entirety of the Fallout series, as well as uh, I just noticed Wasteland Two, the director's cut, which is I didn't even know that was on Xbox. Oh yeah, and I remember playing Wasteland way back in the eighties on an Apple IIe, and I am really, like, EA Origin Pass didn't really do it for me. This, and now Sea of Thieves as well on the Game Pass. Um, Really, really excited. Sea of Thieves, I got to tell you, I played the beta, Mm -hmm. and I was not impressed. And then afterwards, hearing everything afterwards of what people were saying kind of cemented what I thought, too. So as, as cool as their DLC thing sounded i was kind of seeing in my mind how that translates to actual gameplay and i was kind of like e, no no thanks there's yeah. a much better pirate game coming out soon fucking right <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh speaking of sea of these though uh two the two dlcs are coming out cursed sales and the forsaken shore cursed sales in july forsaken shore in september uh the skeleton pirates and the you know but it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And the trailer uh, for announcing it was pretty cute with the pirate being like, you just really wanted to know how much this was worth. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, The highlight of the show though, uh, the one, the game that I spent more time looking into afterward. Tunic. uh, Hell yes. (laughs) You get to redo the legend of Zelda as a little Fox man. Let's it, go do this. Come on. He had a nice little green vest and a sword. He looked adorable, you bastard. It was amazing. <laughs> and, uh, he's, so cute. he's a good boy, everybody. He's a good boy. And that Anubis, like... <laughs> this is what happens after the, the hour mark with Vin- and Marty, was- apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Foxes are awesome, guys. No, but, like, it just... Like, one of the few reasons why I know I'm resisting getting back into the Nintendo into Nintendo is because there are a lot of Zelda games that I missed out on and I can either do what my heart tells me and play them all and master them all again, or uh, read a comic book, go to bed on time and go to work. So this looks like it's a nice way to, to, to calm the Zelda craving that I've had for like 20 years in a nice cute little Fox guy package. Looked awesome. 
I even signed up for their secrets, um, which was adorable. <laughs> You're like, would you like secrets? I'm like, I like secrets. Of course Here's I do. Email address. Feel free to sell it. I just want a secret. So. And that is uh, all of it. Um, really? Really? I was joking about tunic. <laughs> well, not really. It looks awesome, but I thought you were going with something else. What did I miss? <laughs> Hold on. Are you serious? <laughs> I need to know if you're serious Marty, right now. You are a fucking treasure. Oh. Forza oh. Horizon 4. How could you miss that? <laughs> The racing car game? <laughs> no, Marty, Easy. no. Come on, seriously. Oh, did you actually Marty. watch to the end? You did not. This is how I know that. No, because I did not. you stopped I before the end. When you got. <laughs> Bill Spencer came out, started oh, talking, dude. and he went pause. You are going to kick <laughs> yeah. yourself in the ass. At oh, the God end, the end is not the end. Okay, who wants to take this? Vince, you haven't talked much. You yeah. go for it. So yeah, I mean they're they're wrapping up the concert and you know they don't quite get to the, the one more thing moment because everything cuts out and somebody is hacking into the Xbox presentation with the code name of Red because we got our first look of oh, CD Project Red's <laughs> new game, motherfucking Cyberpunk 2077. Son of a bitch! I did not put it in my notes. You are fired, oh, Marty. Marty, uh, I'm so it's not fired. in my notes either. I remembered it. Hold on, Marty. Okay, so you saw <laughs> this. You just did not remember to talk about it. Or I write totally it down. I forgot it was on. Oh, my God, Marty. Oh, presentation. Marty. oh, my God. I will remember this for next time I have faith in your abilities to prep for a show. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, That's Vince, fair. you're still on. I mean, it. It, it's fucking awesome. Like, what else can I say? This, well, this is like, it exceeded every expectation I could have conceivably had for what CG Project could do with a cyberpunk game. Because I mean, what we've seen out of them in the past has been, you know, dour, gritty fantasy stuff. And of course, you know, there's nothing clean and nice about cyberpunk, but it's also very vibrant and it just holy shit! I. I incredibly faithful Fuck. to the pen and paper game character creation single player rpg no microtransactions two free dlcs i believe is what they were saying yep. um the advertised dlc by including it at the end of the video in a frame that if you froze you could pull out the text and start reading it um <laughs> there were actually I signed up for cd keys too, for witcher uh, 3 so i'm pretty excited about this game oh and just like Arasaka, which was the you know the street samurai core, the uh, healthcare international, the privatized ambulance service, which I think is so great because there's also, in addition to a guy in body armor using the paddles to bring somebody back to life, there's also a guy in the same outfit holding a giant gun, um, airships, uh, cyborgs. Oh yeah, how oh, I missed this. Good job, me. But I'm very excited about it because. I played Cyberpunk 2020. I played Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, this looks like a very faithful adaptation of Night City. Yeah, and the other thing that I think is really cool about it, from what I'm hearing from people that are actually interviewing uh, devs at E3, is that what we saw isn't necessarily going to be the player character because it is going to have a character creation portion. 
So oh, you will man. be able to you will be able to create your own cyberpunk character, just like you could in the the tabletop games to traverse through Night City. And as somebody who this is my fucking aesthetic, like this this is me. This is if there was ever a cyberpunk MMO that would come out, you would never see me again. You'd probably have to check on me and make sure that my corpse was like buried somewhere nice because I forgot to eat and drink. Uh, like they're doing such a good job of just like presenting it properly. And like, it's going to sound like Marty will get this looking at what they've shown us. This is how I've always imagined this world to be. Yep. And, and they're hitting that fucking spot on. And so fucking good on you, CD project red. I have been super excited for this. I'm glad we got to see a trailer and I'm glad we're getting to see more. Now I just need to have a playable demo of it, a beta of it. And then have the game in my hands because yes, please. Okay, yeah, we just upset wanted to. William Gibson was talking shit about the trailer. I'm sorry, who, who was, was talking, talking shit? shit? William Gibson, the writer of Neuroman. Oh yeah, he's saying that yeah, Whoa. no, this doesn't look like cyberpunk. It's just GTA with sci-fi slapped on top of it. I don't necessarily agree with that, but no, okay. no, no. I was like, that's that's really disappointing. Because this is that, fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, that that's to me, that sounds like a 70-year-old man who's just yeah. that his name isn't attached to it. Yeah. Okay. I, I love William. There is one question I have. <laughs> What's the over-under that you die in character creation? Oh my god. <laughs> if they put that in, if they put that in, I, I that'll be my game of the year. Like I will freely put that, like, I will tell you that right off the bat. If that is in character creation, if life path is a thing, you could die during character creation. Done, sold, game over. Yeah, me too. Okay, we're gonna move on because we're running long already, and we we're not done by we're, fucking we're long through. shot. My God! All right, Bethesda, Joe, you're up. Woohoo, boy! Uh, so let's go ahead and get started at the very, very, very beginning, which is we got a closer look at Rage Two which probably started by Andrew WK, who's still out there showing up on stage, trying to get this dead crowd excited oh. for anything. They did not deserve that angel in white on that stage. I am just telling you that right now. Uh, but so Rage 2 is basically, if you've never played the first one, think Borderlands, but more earthy post-apocalyptic and way more over the top. Uh, a lot more neon, a lot more explosions. Basically, everybody is a psycho. Uh, and then you kind of get an idea of where the game's going. Uh, and then you have genetic modifications now added into it in Rage 2, because why the fuck not? Uh, world has been destroyed from a uh, meteorite that crashes down, causes mutations, armies of mutants take over the world. It, it's your standard post-apocalyptic fare. But what was really cool about this is just, like, how seamless everything seemed from what we saw from the gameplay footage. Um, there's a lot of interaction between the powers uh, that you can accumulate as far as there's also some nice transition from vehicles to combat. Uh, the gunplay looks like it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, and, it's, and it's all done with that very sleek, violent, fluorescent pink vibe that it's got going on. Uh, so I was super excited about that. Uh, and even though I haven't, I never played the first game. I just sort of missed that boat. I'm all in for this one because it, it's just, it's so over the top and does not take itself seriously at all. Uh, motherfucking ruckus. Yeah. So the collector's edition is actually a thing. 
So one of the things I, I guess I should say is Bethesda was very, very self-referential and very goofy in a lot of their things. But it turns out most of the goofy things that they were presenting are real. Uh, like the motion-activated, ruck, wall-mounted, ruckus head that sings songs. Uh, this is in the collector's edition of Rage 2. And as Vince pointed out, if this is a thing, I'm going to buy it. And I pointed out to him, yes, it actually exists. I'm I didn't sorry. even finish typing the joke before they announced it's actually real. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess I'll throw another thing that was everybody thought it was a joke, but it was also real just in here, too, because I thought it was funny. So there was this big commercial thing where they were making a joke about how they put Skyrim on everything. And uh, so they have Skyrim <laughs> Very Special Edition on Amazon Alexa. Uh, where it was uh, Jordan, it was not Jordan Peele, it was uh, what, Key, Key Michael Keel. Yeah. yeah. So it was Key that was doing it. Uh, and it was an absolutely hysteric commercial. But it turns out it actually is something you can enable on your Amazon Alexa. It is a <laughs> skill. You can go and say, Alexa, enable the Skyrim skill. And you can fucking play Skyrim on your Amazon Alexa. Because why the fuck not? Thank you, Todd Howard, you magnificent motherfucker. Because that was just absolutely beautiful. I loved it because it sounded it sounded like a D and D campaign where you're being told by a narrator, <laughs> like, "Okay, you're going down this. This happens. Yes. What do you do?" And then you just shout your command. I eat all the cheese. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it was like, "Oh, dude. how many little cheese do I have? Four hundred seventy-three. I eat them all. Eat all the cheese." <laughs> it was brilliant. It was really well done. And if you have it, Alexa, try it. It's just it's hysterical. Uh, from there, the next thing that was the big deal for me at least uh, was another teaser and it was for doom eternal it is the sequel which will have twice as many demons and will have the hell on earth that we all craved um doom eternal is actually a, a throwback to uh one of the original modified levels that was available for doom back in the day so that mm-hmm. meaning was not an accident it was totally intentional uh we're gonna get more at QuakeCon in august but from what they've shown so far, more demons, new demons, Earth has become infested, and you have to go and clear things out. I mean, Doom 2016 was fucking killer. I can't imagine this is going to be anything but. As soon as those Mick Gordon guitar riffs started playing, I just got chills. <laughs> oh, my God. The only thing that would have made it better is if Nita Strauss was on stage playing the Doom theme. <laughs> Dude! We'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> I have words to say. So... They, not to be outdone from that, we also got some more Prey information. Yes. Uh, Prey, one of the best games that I think everybody needs to play because it was just so fucking good. Uh, but there is a brand new DLC called Moon Crash, as well as a whole bunch of free shit that are coming to the game as just free updates as well. Uh, the Moon Crash is a paid DLC that you have to do pick up, but uh, it adds a lot. So, Dude, the four-player where three are mimics... I was going to get oh, to that. Oh, sorry. That's fucking oh. glorious. So, that is understanding your audience. That's understanding it, it's what you can do with your game. Oh, my God. Fucking brilliant. It's literally, it's literally Gary's Mod, which is still played to this day. Yeah, it's fucking Prop Hunt. <laughs> it's Prop Hunt. It is fucking Prop Hunt. And it, it's the perfect game to do it because when we started dealing with the mimics in the first place, that was the very first thing that everybody said is, where's my Prop Hunt? Well, Typhon Hunter, you have it. There you go. Uh, but it, here's some of the things that are coming to at least that. So uh, it's going to have new game plus mode and a survival mode, which they haven't done too much into the survival mode, but 
there's a lot of food products in the game, a lot of stuff like that. So I'm guessing that's going to have something to do with it. Um, and I think that's really cool because New Game Plus is something that a lot of people were asking for. Well, they're listening to their community and they're like, yeah, this game was out you know, last year, but we're still going to give you content for it. Here you go. And then you have Moon Crash, which is an infinitely replayable version of the game where you basically go down to the moon and uh, it's a Typhon invasion right there on the moon, but it's done in a roguelike style all the enemies that you encounter the corridors that you go through uh the drops that you get from them are all randomized and that is one of the coolest things because it's an infinitely replayable version of that game for you and then when you die the simulation just starts over again because you're just entering into the simulation it's a really nice touch i gotta say honestly that was one of the things i was not as crazy with i just had visions of the infinite forest of there being, you know, there's only so many things they can do, and it will get boring re- I, really fast. Sure, for some people, but roguelikes are very... I'm not just saying this is a fan. They are one of the, the most popular types of games right now because they sort of have that infinite replayability. They've grown in popularity over the last couple of years quite a bit, and seeing a AAA game tap into that in their own way I think is actually kind of impressive. And I'm, I haven't played it yet. I, I, I bought it and downloaded it, but I have to play it still. But it's for somebody like me, this is perfect. I love the universe of prey. I love the way the game was set up and give me something like that. That's, that's actually pretty cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad they're putting it in. And it's one of those great. You're putting something into a game that is, I'm not the target audience, but that target audience exists. So more power to them. So I, again, I think it's great. I just, uh, I really don't care. Sure. The next on the list is the next Wolfenstein game, Youngblood, uh, where it is set in the 1980s. And instead of playing as BJ Blazkowicz, you're playing as BJ and Anya's twin daughters. And the entire game can be played co-op or solo. It's coming out next year, and it's more killing of Nazis. How can you fucking go wrong? 1980s in Paris is two young American girls just going fucking buck wild on Nazis. I'm in. I'm absolutely in. I just love that we, well, not love, kind of hate that we exist in a world where fucking up Nazis has once again become like a hardline political stance. Yeah. Yeah. More power to you, Bethesda. I'm in. (laughs) Now, the... I'm going to go with the big reveal now, and then I'll go to some of the smaller ones that I know that Roger is likely excited for. Uh, but Fallout 76 was probably the big thing that everybody was waiting. Um, we did get some more information as well as some information that came out in some interviews after the fact of people talking around the floor. So we, we, we got Todd Howard come out. He unveils Fallout 76 after teasing it at the Microsoft conference. Uh, it is absolutely set in West Virginia. It is absolutely massive as everybody's been talking about. It is an always online multiplayer game. Uh, you can play the entire game solo, um, but it is meant to be always on and always online. They talked a little bit about their structure and said that it's going to be uh, multiple, basically, shard servers strewn all throughout their systems that they are building and putting up themselves. And it's not going to be like an MMO. It's not going to be hundreds of, of thousands of people. It's not even going to be hundreds of people. You'll be lucky if on that giant map there's maybe two dozen people. And I think that's actually really smart of them to do in something like this. Um, because if it was anything other than that, 
eh, you're getting into some weird territory where griefing is going to be the norm. Um, it's going to be a soft core survival, which is basically you're going to have to periodically eat and gather shelter and stuff like that. So it's not going to be quite as bad as Ark or Conan Exiles, where you have to manage everything about your character. Uh, and when you die, you don't lose progression. Your character isn't tied to just one server. So you can actually pick up and move your character to another server to play with friends. Uh, and even your settlement with the new camp system will be allowed to sort of pick up and go. They did mention that there is going to be later on down the line after launch, a launching of private servers. Uh, but for right now, it's when you play, you're going to be there with either a dozen or two dozen other people on that server. And if they decide to bomb you with the nukes when they find the key, that's going to be a thing that can happen, which is probably going to turn a lot of people off to it. And I get that. Um, but it is still an RPG that we've known and loved, at least according to them, throughout all the, the rest of the world, worlds that they've built just with multiplayer sort of shoon in on it. Now, I don't know how I feel about the random strangers and the idea of the nuke thing is kind of eh to me, but the idea of having that launch in a private server setting, or if I could do it with a private server or friends only, I'm actually okay with playing through a fallout game with this sort of setup with friends. Yeah. But how much is that going to cost? Cause you're well, right. Like if, if they allow us to do like just the four of us say, and whoever else that we know kind of thing, then that would be freaking awesome. That would be a ton of fun. Because even if, you know, Joe decides that he's going to ransack my camp one day just for fun and just because that's part of the game, not too destructive, but, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get upset because, oh, that's part of the game. I'm going to go and mess with his and, and have fun. But if it's if I'm just with random people and they're coming and fucking up my shit or sending a nuke on me, no, I... What's the point of me building up a camp? Like, that's part of the fun. So now I have a theory about this, actually. And I don't think, I think that the way that they're going to do it is very similar to how Ark and Conan and Pixar do their servers. And there are two different versions of servers. You can have a third-party hosted server where you pay another company to host a server. It's private. You can log in and everything else. But at the same time, they also make the server code available to you. So if you have a machine that you can run up and run a server instance on, like I do, then I can just take that code, spin up an instance of it, leave it on my always on connection. And then you guys can just log in through your account and through that way. And if they do it like that, that's fine for me. And because it gives you the options, it's not something where you're just throwing money at Bethesda. And the reason that they said that they're going to do the private servers for sure is because with the all the always online version of it that they're hosting themselves, there will be no mods. They're not going to allow mods on that because very clearly it, it would be unfair to do anything of that nature with an always on connected game. But on private servers, go fucking buck crazy with mods is what they said. So I'm okay with that. We're, I'm going to wait to see how it sort of plays out and, and how long it takes them to release that server code. Um, but if they do it like that, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it at all. If that's what they do. And I completely agree. If that's what they do, oh, shit, I'll set up a server as well. That would be a ton of fun. Plus, if they go that route, it reduces a lot of uh, expectations on their side to host mm -hmm. all of that as well. So there's pros on their side to do that, but they lose also some control and potentially some monetization if instead they just charge people for a private server. So it's going to depend on if they go the 
essentially the dick route or the right route. And if Bethesda has, unlike EA, Bethesda has garnered enough. I agree. Clout in my book that I think that they're going to do it the right way. And I hope that I hope that I'm proven right on that one. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I also did find that there is, and I'm a sucker for this at 200 USD. There is a collector's edition for this game coming out. Uh, it's going to have the steel books here, the steel book game case like normal, uh, but it's going to come with the T51 power helmet. You just want a helmet to <laughs> run around with. <laughs> Hold on a second. People the are going to be coming around into your Hold office and you're going to have that on. <laughs> I'm going to have that on with the Pip-Boy. Fuck yes, I am. It's got a voice. It's got a voice changer in it. It's got the VAT system sound on it. It has a, it has a working LED headlamp in it. Yes, I'm going to have it. Uh, and not only that, but it also comes with 24 miniatures um, from the Fallout series of characters and the monsters that are going to be present in West Virginian world. Um, and a glow-in-the-dark map. A fucking glow-in-the-dark map. Uh, I, I might actually wind up buying this at $200 because I want that fucking helmet. I want that helmet so goddamn bad. <laughs> but that wasn't the only things that we got. There were some other things that were announced. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Blades, which is an Elder Scrolls game for mobile devices. It's a first-person RPG with touch inputs, uh, which has procedurally generated dungeons uh, and a town that you can build up. And it will play in both portrait and landscape mode because that's a thing people want, which, okay. Um, it's interesting. It's It it looks a lot like Legend of Grimrock, if anybody's ever played that, mm -hmm. like the old school dungeon crawling games. It's not bad. Uh, it's not necessarily my thing, but it's free. And it's one of those things where I will probably try it. I thought it looked better than Grimrock, to be honest. I, I thought it looked quite a bit better than Grimrock. Well, the dungeon crawling aspect looks Okay, like. right, yeah. No, I thought it looked pretty freaking solid. And the fact that yeah. it is going to be cross-play across everything. If you're doing a PvP match on your iPhone, you might be actually fighting somebody who's in VR. I think that's pretty yep. fucking cool. Like there's there's elements of that that they're going to have to tweak so that one platform doesn't have an advantage over the other. But that's they need to do that all the time for anything they do cross platform. So I I think this is a step in the right direction so that we start seeing a lot more of this with different games where they're not afraid of doing the cross platform because that's fucking fantastic. And the game in and of itself while still more simple than a traditional Elder Scrolls game still look pretty goddamn cool and and i liked everything i saw like i'm like you i'm definitely going to be trying it i'm going to be playing it on my uh, my ipad and i i can't wait to give it a shot and if it comes out on fucking uh psvr i'll give it a shot on there too why not now speaking of, of mobile games as well that's not the only mobile game that we got some more information on from them either uh the elder scrolls legend legends is getting a complete visual overhaul uh to make it look better and a systems overhaul to make it play better so if you're a fan of the card game uh, elder scrolls legends you're going to be in for a free update relatively soon Dude, uh, which it, i think is actually cool it already looked amazing i i'm very curious what they did to improve it because like when they were saying it was voted the best one last year i understand why like it's a ridiculously good card game and it looks amazing it i again i'm I'm curious what they're doing to make it look better because it already looks fucking amazing so yeah 
Now, not to be outdone by any of that news, we also got something that was really, really cool. And this has been rumored for a while. The first new Bethesda IP in 25 years, Starfield. We have no fucking clue anything about it yet because uh, it was just a teaser announcement trailer. Uh, but it is a sci-fi game of some sort. Uh, Todd Howard described it as next-gen uh, which probably means it's being developed for the next set of, of consoles instead of the current one, but that could mean literally anything when Todd Howard's involved because <laughs> who knows how the fuck his mind works. But that's really exciting because one of the things that a lot of these game, a lot of the game companies presenting this year didn't do is show new IPs. It's very rare. And for them to do this, fucking I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes or at least what it is. Even if it's just fucking Elder Scrolls in space, I'd still be happy. It's the thing, like, I can't figure out what it could be. <laughs> like, we, we, they have, like, the Elder Scrolls and Fallout sort of formula. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like, they it, they could go with something similar with, you know, a spaceship and a solar system or whatever, but I don't know. Like, they could go completely out of left field, too. Like, well, they already have. They already have, uh, and I, th I thought it might be something that links in with Prey at some point too. Yeah, like we we've seen that they, they don't just do Bethesda style games anymore. So they they could go in a lot of directions with it. That's what. Yeah. The and then the last major item uh, was another teaser, and this is how they ended their show, uh, which is the thing that everybody has been bitching about for fucking weeks since oh, since uh, they announced uh, Fallout seventy six because it's breaking the cycle. Uh, but no, it doesn't actually break the cycle that bad because Elder Scroll Six is in the works. Um, we don't know much more about that because all we got was some cool visuals of Temriel uh, and the Elder Scroll Six logo. But yeah, so the yeah, but Elder Scrolls coming out. They're working on that after Starfield, which is the yeah. next generation game. We're not going to see Elder Scrolls Six. I would put it at. Between three and five years, I bet you. Yeah, that depends. We'll see. We'll see. I like. I'm probably on the lower end of that, but yeah. I was gonna say 2020, probably. I think that's optimistic, but I would love to see it. Okay. Well, we also. God, I was gonna say we just don't know. We don't know if they're gonna be if they're already been working on it. So. Well, the way they're talking, at least the impression I got is, yeah, they're working on it, but it's mainly just very rudimentary yeah, stuff now. That it's after Starfield pre-production is what i've heard so you know visualization concept art world building stuff but no actual in engine development yet okay we need to move on devolver vince you're up <laughs> devolver has been a treat these last couple years with their batshit crazy conferences uh they only showed off three games but before we get to that they had their usual very very interesting uh, presentation that included the announcement of their new gambling slash virtual currency loot box coin, which believe it or not is actually a thing they're selling on their website and is actually a thing people are buying. And the price <laughs> is changing every hour, yeah. just like they said it was. <laughs> the Devolver Digital Classic System, which may or may not be just a spray-painted Sega Dreamcast uh, hooked up to some wires. <laughs> and... Uh, actually a callback to last year's conference, uh, essentially creating what people are re referring to as the E3 cinematic universe, because there's now an yeah. ongoing plot line between their press conferences. 
aside from that, the three games they did show off, they showed off Scum, which is uh, essentially No Escape, the video game. It's a, it's a survival-based game on a prison island. Uh, My Friend Pedro, which just looks fucking great. It's a, it's like a slow-mo ballet gun-fu action game. It's weird John Wick. Where the main character is being influenced by literally a talking banana. Like and you are. <laughs> the highlight of possibly all of E3 was the announcement of Metal Wolf Chaos XD. So for people who don't know what Metal <laughs> Wolf Chaos is, Metal Wolf Chaos was a From Software game, you know, yes, the Dark Souls guys, that came out on the original Xbox back in like 2003, 2004. Never released in America, which is hilarious because... It's a game that's essentially, this is what the Japanese think America is. Insofar as it is a game where the government of the United States has been taken over by a coup. And you have to fight back as the actual president of the United States in his gigantic mech suit full of machine guns and rocket launchers. I believe that's in Article 1 of our U.S. Constitution. (laughs) It's... They kept the god-awful voice acting intact because even though it's a Japanese game, all of the voice acting is in English. Yeah, 2004, they did a dub in English, and it was super terrible uh, voice acting, and they decided to say fuck it and keep it, which is great. Yeah, it's super terrible in all the best ways. I I cannot wait. This game is an absolute joy. (laughs) But that's all they had from Devolver. (laughs) It was short, it was sweet, it was weird, and I loved it. Oh, and uh, their presenter got blowed the hell up and is apparently now a cyborg robot type thing. Yeah. Which we have no clue about. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not going to lie. Kind of kind of love her. I think she's awesome. <laughs> so then the other short conference we had today was Square Enix. People were expecting a lot from Square Enix because they've got a lot of shit coming out. But uh, all they graced us with today was a 30-minute video presentation filled largely with stuff we've already seen. Uh, They started off with Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which got showed off pretty heavily at the Microsoft conference, right? Yeah, it totally was. Uh, The Mm -hmm. uh, Laura Croft takedown in Mud Camo was the big shot there. Yeah, and their big thing with this game is becoming one with the jungle and camouflaging and using tricks to the prey. I'll be honest, it's not my jam. Like it's the same it's the same thing I have with the Uncharted franchise. Like the main focus of the games is not the main focus of the stuff I want to do. I'm more interested in the actual tomb raiding parts. And that's not to say exactly. that's not here. Like that's still gonna be an important part of the game, but it's not an important part of the marketing. I actually really dug the Tomb Raider stuff, but I really like that franchise now with the, the reboot a lot. So what I saw while very murderous <laughs> looked good i liked the what i saw in terms of the gameplay as well and uh the few cinematics that we saw as well i really dug again it's that indiana jones kind of thing except with lara croft instead i'm actually legitimately really looking forward to this not as much as the first in the reboot but yeah i'm really looking forward to this so like i never even played the second one a lot of that was because of the console exclusivity where it was on Xbox for, was it like a year? Yeah. So mm-hmm. by the time it was available on a console that I owned, I didn't really, 
have the interest anymore. Ironically, I have it for the PS4, and I've gotten partway through, but like many other games, and because there are so many fucking games, I never finish yeah, it. But after watching this one, yeah. it was like, I desperately need to go back and finish that because I want to know the story moving forward as well. Because there were little ties that I could see even to the first one with the characters yeah. and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, I, I need to follow this through. Because I like the franchise, so I just need to force myself to sit down and actually play through them. Mm-hmm. So moving on from there, uh, they had a nice little look at Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood, essentially showing off everything uh, leading up to the current patch, 4.3 Under the Moonlight. Nothing new that we saw here until like the post-credits teaser, if you will, of their upcoming crossover collaboration, motherfucking Monster Hunter. Dude, where I, I could just see I, you and Allie losing oh your God. fucking shit in, in, in tandem, even though you weren't beside each other. <laughs> <laughs> It, it yeah this is this is a great collaboration and i'm hoping it's going to be monster hunter stuff in final fantasy and final fantasy stuff in monster hunter it makes sense and yeah that's that's some cool shit right there i was watching that and legitimately thought if they inserted a whole bunch of the monster hunter elements into final fantasy 14 yeah, that might be enough to get me to sub again cuz that would be a ton of fun I, I I'll be perfectly honest with you, Roger. There's enough in Final Fantasy 14 that's worth subbing for. Yeah, but I've been I'm back in WoW with Tristan. So. I know, I know. I'm just saying that this is only going to be a limited time event. But even without the limited time event, I'd say it's worth your money. But druids, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> uh, next up, we got another look at the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit, but nothing really new. Just saying that. Uh, yes, this is in the Life is Strange universe, and actual characters from Life is Strange 2 will be showing up in this game. So this is its own story, but, you know, if if you keep your eyes open when Life is Strange 2 rolls around, you might recognize a few people here and there. Uh, we got more of Dragon Quest Eleven. Not much we haven't already seen, but I'm very hyped for this game, very interested. So I I liked what I saw here. Then they showed a trailer of, like, just... Nobody knew what the fuck it was. It was just like still pictures and words and like it looks kind of like interesting world building. I was like, okay, you know, it's a new square game and it is what it is. I thought it was at first I thought it was like Octopath or like one of those types of games until you get the scene with uh, the knight and the weird tendrils and shit just goes off. I'm like, okay, this is a new franchise from them called Babylon's Fall. Interesting enough, but what really caught my eye, of course, was that this is actually being developed by Platinum Games. And Platinum Games does some of the best gameplay in the industry right now. So you get mm -hmm. Square Enix storytelling with Platinum Games controls. Well, the last time that happened, it was near Automata. So <laughs> continue that partnership. Give me more awesome stuff. Yep. Uh, speaking of near Automata, uh, they showed another trailer for the Become as Gods edition, which is the Xbox One version of the game. Uh, we got another look at Octopath Traveler coming out very soon. Uh, did you guys ever play that Switch demo? Yeah, I did. Yep. I, I think there's. Uh, they said there's another demo coming up soon uh, as well, taking another look at some of the other characters. But get I more into like, I just want the game. I, yeah. yeah, I think Joe liked the, the demo more than I did. I actually I had issues with certain elements of it. And... And maybe that changes later on, and maybe it's just very, very, very exposition-heavy at the start, and then it gets better. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, fine. But 
everything that I did at the start was so heavy exposition that you're like, oh, for fuck's sakes, can I just go? Like, just let me do some shit here. So I, I kind of really found it hard to get into that demo. Yeah, they showed off more here of like all the the other the rest of the eight characters and yeah. with their paths crossing and the party building and like the actual RPG elements and stuff that didn't really come across too much in the demo because those were just short stories focused on single characters, right? Uh, I I they didn't show anything about no, how they there wasn't no no the, de- hmm. the demos right. were just a couple characters and usually just like this is how they interact in town and. Here's where their day and night cycle goes. Like it, it was basically an introduction to how the mechanics work more than I. Yeah. And then there was the one character that you went out with and did a few things and that was it. Yeah. It wasn't that, that extensive, let's say. Mm-hmm. We got uh, another look at just cause Four, another game that they'd showed off uh, at the Xbox conference. If you like crazy batshit uh, stuff, this has got more of it and bigger and better with more ways to, with your surroundings now airlift balloons and more powerful rockets and extra tethers and the, the stuff they showed off of like the absolute insanity and cause that that's what you get with a just cause game and you know what if if you're gonna take it to 11 do it right and it seems like they, they really did it so hopefully it's not quite as janky as the last one was though then they showed off um well oh, death man. daredevil <laughs> The 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 most uh, bland name you could come up with, the Quiet Man, which the, they've said is going to be uh, a video game crossed over with actual live action stuff, just like we saw here. That wasn't just for the sakes of the trailer, and it's supposed to be like a really short game. They so say you can do a playthrough in a single sitting, which it, all right. I mean, but if you're gonna do a game with a live action element. You need better than Sega CD quality acting, which is what we had here, because, God, this was painful. And then finally, uh, just another look at Kingdom Hearts 3. Largely the same trailer they showed off at the Xbox conference, with a few slight differences here, like they showed off Ratatouille and a little other a little elements of stuff. Uh, but, Joe, I did look it up. Uh, the name of the girl at the trailer is Oa. Yeah, I literally typed that in the chat like no. an hour ago. Sorry, I wasn't paying that much attention. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Aqua. Her name is Aqua. Got it. She was yeah, she was one of the, the Keyblade masters from the first games. All right. Never seen her. <laughs> but that was it. Like it was it was 30 minutes. It ended and people were like, that that's it? No, no Final Fantasy VII, which people are still waiting on literally any news about. Uh and what the, what was it surprising for me? Uh, also, no Avengers. Uh, Square Enix, we know they're working on an Avengers game. A lot of people thought they were going to show off something. No Avengers, no Galaxy, or Guardians of the Galaxy either, because we know that they're working on one of those two. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that, but I know I know for a fact they're working on Avengers. And the one that really surprised me was nothing for Hitman. They just announced the other day that Hitman 2 is coming out, and they had nothing for it at their own presentation. So I, this was really weird. And not a lot of new footage for most of the games they showed off, and some stuff curiously missing. Well, that's like uh, Microsoft. They didn't show off uh, Biomutant, which is massive and an exclusive for Microsoft, and they didn't have it. I'm the thing that interests me, like, or, or I shouldn't say interest. The thing that surprises me is Square Enix being so short when they do like one presentation every three E3s. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't 
present often, so why not go all out? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, it's bizarre. Like, oh. I know the last couple of years they've done kind of like that three-day long streaming thing, which, I, I mean, I guess maybe they didn't want to invest the budget in it this year, but, I, man, this was, it was not interesting. It was very short and boring for the most part. All right. Anyways, let's move on to Ubisoft because there was a lot of shit there. The exact opposite of short and boring is motherfucking Ubisoft. You know what? They have found their place. Like I was saying on Twitter, they've found their place in the universe. And every year they come out and they they just, they're glorious. <laughs> Look at dancing. You, know, you remember a it few years amazing. back, like five, six years ago, it was like, what the fuck is this this is absurd this doesn't belong at e3 just get to the interesting stuff and now everybody's like yeah ubisoft you do you more dancing pandas let's bring it on i'm Damn right <laughs> we need that shit right now <laughs> in fact i'm curious what they're going to do next year to top this <laughs> yeah so just dance 2019 dancing pandas done and they let off with the game that everybody really wants to see more of and that's Dude. of course Beyond Good and Evil 2, Dude. which, holy fucking Dude. shit. My mind is fucking blown. Like, <laughs> I, What's it, funny is that uh, I saw the Cyberpunk 2077 and I thought, that's it. We don't need to see anything else. Because initially I'd hoped that that would be Anthem, but it clearly wasn't. And then Cyberpunk mm -hmm. came out and I was like, this is it. That's, this is all I need. This is going to be my Detroit become human. This is going to be the game that I was like, all right, that, that's it. That's going to take me for a while. And then I, and, but in the back of my, my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I wonder about Beyond Good and Evil. And then they showed this trailer. I was like, I take back everything I said. You two can both exist on my consoles at the same time because <laughs> I will play the shit out of both of these. But yeah, we got an amazing looking trailer of the uh, the pirate ship coming under attack, getting confirmation that uh, the pig on the ship uh, as their chef actually is Paige, the same pig from the original game. And then the even bigger reveal that the nasty villainous is actually Jade, the main protagonist of the first game. Which that they then turned around by saying, oh, yeah, by the way, this is a prequel. Yeah, that blew my fucking mind. <laughs> Holy shit. I, one, I did not see that coming. At all. At all, at all, Same. at all. Oh, damn. Because like they never quite explained where Jade got her weird powers from in the first game and why Paige was kind of watching over her. So it, it fits. It's just and, not and what we were expecting. <laughs> And the thing is here, like Paige knows Jade. Like that's uh -huh. the thing, like, because that that scene where he zooms in, he goes, Jade? And like, so no clue what the hell happened, but I am just, I I, I need to know more. Yep. I absolutely need to know more. It looked amazing beginning to end because in the back of your head, you're kind of analyzing um, what's gameplay and what is a cinematic. And... It just looked incredible at all times. It's hard to say what was gameplay and what wasn't, but holy fucking hell, did it ever look amazing? Mm -hmm. Some other some other really cool things about that, at least from what I got, is they also use the term co-op yes. in there. So yeah, that's actually really fucking cool. Wait, I mean, which again, it fits because the the whole premise of a lot of the gameplay in the first game was it was a single player game, but. It kind of had like that brothers element to it. You were controlling two characters and solving puzzles in that way. So co-op's a perfect fit for this franchise. I agree. The other thing that I thought was actually kind of cool, and I did some digging afterwards because I know that mm -hmm. Roger had some interesting 
uh, observations about it and some questions that I had too is uh, the hit record uh, hit record um, with yeah. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Like that's actually really cool that they want, they want to do that where it's, they want people to contribute music and art and things like that, that will potentially appear in the game. And I went back and I did some digging and Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt's organization there is actually good about, they pay people that contribute to the past projects. So if they use their stuff, they, they work out a deal with them to use it and they don't, they don't just steal it. It's not just crowd crowd sourcing or fan sourcing, you know, shit to put in your game, which I, I, well, I mean, really, it is, but they're getting compensated for it. <laughs> it is, but they're being paid to do it. It's not just yeah. give us your fan art and we're not going to give you shit for it. We're going to give you exposure. So I'm hoping that that holds true here uh, because I think that's actually really cool where, and they're not, and they, this is the interesting thing to me. And this is why I tagged you guys. They weren't just talking about just music and art. They were talking about radio shows. Yeah. I, I looked on the website and one of the, like the categories they have open that they're accepting submissions for is like commercial stingers for their radio station. Yeah. Like, like I think that's actually really cool. cool. Yeah. They, it, I, there, there's still some questions as far as, you know, paid labor for people who don't get their stuff picked. And I, I, can't, I haven't confirmed it myself, but supposedly their budget for this is only $50,000. So I don't know, but I'm cautiously optimistic is how I'll put myself right here. But I mean, even if they give, like, 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 I hate to say it like this, but even from a personal standpoint, like if I were to cut like a, a, a voice acting promo, you know, commercial zinger, and they gave me, you know, 500 bucks and a copy of the game, I'd be like fucking on cloud nine, right? Like, I'd be okay with that. That's just me personally. And, and I'm not saying I'm, that to devalue. Sorry, go ahead. You no, know, I was going to say, I think that applies to a lot of different people. The thing to keep in mind here is, and it's important to say, because we were talking about this with, with Laura as well on, on Twitter, Joe and I, when, when this was coming out, because, yeah, you do want to pay the people who are contributing, and that was a red flag immediately. Are they just looking for free stuff? Because that would be bad. But... It's not. They are going to pay people for it. So fantastic. The fact that they're doing this, I think, is great because it actually will add a lot of diversity to that world. And they need that because as many staff as they have creating assets, it's still a set amount of staff and there's going to be a lot of similarities, which is great. That means that there is consistency in design for uh, the cities and different things like that, but for tagging or for music or for different things here and there to have art created from people that are completely different styles than their in-house staff will give that world a lot more depth. So the mm -hmm. fact that they're paying them and doing that, I think it's fucking awesome. And then take that a bit further and the fact that it is a game, the fact that it's a game about a beloved IP, the fact that it's a game from a, 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 a publisher that we like means that there's going to be a lot of fan art. There's going to be a lot of people who want to be involved and are all right with not being paid as much as they would for other uh, freelance work. And so it's just one of those, you know what? I didn't make as much as I normally would, but fuck it, man. I got my poster in a game. I'm happy. This is awesome. That's to me, that's all right. That's, I mean, it's, they're not trying to take advantage of the, the people who are submitting assets for them to use. It's just, it's a much more community feel to it. 
again, without taking advantage because presumably they will be paying them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but it, it's it's definitely an interesting concept. Definitely curious about it. Yeah. Next up, they talked a little bit about Rainbow Six Siege. Nothing really new to show off, but I, I'm actually happy with what they're doing with Siege. Like, it does, it's not a game that interests me personally, at least as far as playing. Like, I enjoy watching some videos of it now and then, but the game came out, wasn't terribly well-received. They've been working on it and delivering a lot of free content to to keep it going, so... Just as an FYI about that, I haven't gone through it, but Tristan has been playing it, mm-hmm. and because we bought it for him, he asked for it for uh, a birthday or Christmas or something, and he loves it but he plays with his buddies so they've right. got a, a squad kind of deal and they go and they they have a lot of fun he actually really really speaks highly of the game and he likes it a lot and then we got trials rising another trials game which it's been a few years since we had a full-on trials game last one we got was like that little dlc side crossover thing with blood dragon which was awesome but it wasn't a full trials game but yeah looks great the maps are absolutely ridiculous ridiculous this time around uh, it just looks fantastic i love trials and i like the stuff that they're doing with uh bringing a lot of the community to get like the the actual like tutorials and trying to bring a, as many players as they can up to the the skill ceiling because there's a lot of people that didn't play you know 25 percent of the game just because they weren't good enough and the games didn't really do much to encourage you like to teach you along the way it's just suddenly it just got harder and you either had to get good or get gone so seeing that they're they're trying to really form a community around the, these little games, I, I like that. Division 2, we talked about, uh, although they did mention here specifically at their conference that uh, the three DLCs coming out in the first year, all free. Get fucked, Bungie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not a game that interests me in any way, but sure, do your thing. After that, we had Mario Rabbids, Donkey Kong Adventure, and I'm going to let Joe talk, or he's just going to talk over me anyway. I wasn't going to talk over you. I was just going to say that the, the previous one, I know a lot of people that were very excited about uh, that division. Like, my local gaming group, hearing that those that contents were free, mm-hmm. I could hear them from work screaming yes. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, I, 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 I will love to talk about Mario plus Rabbids, Donkey Kong DLC, but before that happens, I have to talk about the band Critical Hit. Need us us there. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, Critical Hit is a multi-musician band with a rotating cast. Uh, I think it's got 20, 25 members in it uh, that was founded by Jason Hayes, who is the former composer for World of Warcraft. So when he got let go, this is what he did. <laughs> we were wondering what the hell he was going to do with this time. He said, fuck it, I'm going to do this. Um, but yes, so it's a rotating cast of cellists, violinists, pianists, uh, percussionists, and guitarists. And Nita Strauss, who is one of my favorite guitarists, Rogers as well, because uh, she is just absolutely fucking amazing, was there on stage. And like, and I've seen her, I'm like, just let her shred, just let her shred. Oh, God, please. But it was a, an interesting performance that they were basically doing the Mario plus Rabbids music. And the thing about Critical Hit is they show up on game soundtracks all the time now. So it's kind of an important thing. Then we got the Mario plus Rabbids thing where it's... Hey, Kong. motherfucker, I'm not done talking about Nita Strauss. Oh, you don't, God, you, don't. You don't get to be the only one. <laughs> I hired you for this show, motherfucker. I get to... <laughs> I'm talking about this. What was funny is that um, you probably noticed this as well, Joe, because we'd been chatting back and forth, back and forth. And then when you mentioned that you 
probably noticed you didn't get an answer. Karen had just gotten home. Karen had gone out for a while to do some shit, and she'd gotten home. So I actually paused the stream, and I went, and I was shooting the shit with her for a little while and helping her bring some stuff in and whatnot. And so when I got back to the computer, all I see is your fucking message saying, Nina Strauss is there, and I'm going, oh, shit, what the hell did I miss? Because, again, Joe and I talk about guitar stuff all the time. Like, you guys probably see us chat a little bit on Twitter that's a fraction of we have a discord channel just yep. for our just <laughs> just me and joe to talk about guitar shit and we talk in g-talk all the time so uh and we're both huge nina strauss fans like i mean she's royalty like her she's a descendant of strauss like and she is alice cooper's guitarist she has her own shit that she's doing her her solar album uh was kickstarted in a matter of i don't even think it was hours that she no, got it was, it was yeah it was minutes. insane so like this woman is so talented but more so than that and i think this is why we are seeing so much of her lately is her personality. Like, one of her t-shirts she wears all the time is uh, Ego Kills Talent. And she firmly yep. believes that. And she tells people, listen, you can be as good as me. All you have to do is practice. That's all it is. There's no secret here. Just practice and you will get this good. And she offers tips. She's awesome. So to see her shredding on stage <laughs> to Mario Rabbids, I was in heaven. Like, this, the that... That was better than the fucking panda. So kudos to whoever decided to bring that band there. That that made my fucking date. That was amazing. She had to perform for Shinsuke Nakamura and Donkey Kong in the same year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> Anything to say about the game? <laughs> I don't care about the game. I just cared about her shredding us. <laughs> I just thought it was uh, awesome because you got all of these different... Uh, often when you're playing a game, often, especially a Nintendo game too, you get those very jarring um, sets where they'll be playing this type of music and then immediately it's a boom, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then they change to a different kind of style. And so here you had that. You had a lot of whimsy with what's going on with the rabbits and with Donkey Kong and whatnot, whatnot. and then all of a sudden, boom, shredding metal. <laughs> And then go back to the whimsy and then shredding. And I'm going, oh, you guys are so fucking awesome. <laughs> I love you, <laughs> Ibusov. Yeah, and, and honestly, that is the tone from the game, too, which is, I can't stress that enough. It is a perfect encapsulation of Mario plus rabbits. It's that weird distortion, metal-driven excitement. And then this whimsical sort of like, everything is great. Uh, just kind of mashed together and how they flow seamlessly in the music is exactly how they're in the game. So for the Donkey Kong DLC, you get to play as Donkey Kong now as part of the party. Uh, and there is a Rabbids version of Cranky Kong uh, that has been added in. And a whole bunch of that humor is still present in there and doing its thing. And it's apparently going to be released on June 26th. And this is where I thank Drunk Me because Drunk Me purchased the season pass accidentally <laughs> for Mario plus Rabbits. Welcome to my world. <laughs> and so when I went to go, I went to go buy it. Like I went to go pre-purchase it today. And it's like, you already have this. I'm like, oh, okay then. Sweet. Oh, uh, but, Welcome to my fucking world. 
<laughs> where you wake up and have to check if there's receipts. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I mean, it's it looks like it's going to be great. Um, the it has a whole bunch of new uh, game mechanics. It looks like there's actually even a throwback to the old Donkey Kong Congo controller in the game, which is hilarious. Uh, and it's a beautiful tactical XCOM style game. Like if you haven't, if you have a Switch and you haven't played Mario Plus Rabbits Kingdom Battle yet, do yourself a favor and pick it up. It's worth full price, but if you can find it on sale, grab it on sale. It is an amazing game and like DLCs like this that are apparently going to be relatively massive apparently uh yeah I'm good after that we had one of my biggest games of the show and as I said the much better pirate game that's coming Skull and Bones they showed this off last year and as I said last year I've been asking for Ubisoft just to make a fucking pirate game ever since Assassin's Creed back Black Flag and you can absolutely see, like, the skeleton of Black Flag here in the ship-to-ship combat. And that's not a bad thing, because the ship-to-ship combat in Black Flag was pretty Stellar. great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, here we are with Piracy is Dead, because they've essentially locked down the Caribbean. Not a whole lot of piracy going on over there, so fuck it. Let's just go to the Indian Ocean and rob those assholes. So it's, uh, it's outside of the traditional piracy setting that we see in most pop culture. Absolutely okay with that. And it just looks great. Like the, the the setting is awesome. The characters, like the world design, the. It, but it, it, even with that, like the actual game looks good. The the gameplay is solid. Uh, having like your port with different ships available, and having to pick your ship and your crew and your loadout depending on the weather and the seas and what you're going after. There's a lot of customization and RPG elements and collecting and unlocking and building and that's going to keep you playing and playing and playing because the Jesus, when they, when they were doing the actual gameplay demo, this is one of the better gameplay demos I've seen at E3 this year, because it just gets you into the game, show you what it's about. It, it really hyped me up to actually play this because I'm, I'm all in on skull and bones. I'm just going to put this out there. Marty, you can speak. <laughs> you are part of the crew now. You need to understand that. So please give us your thoughts on some of these games. Put so, the, what I'm saying well, first, is put the fucking comic book down. <laughs> I don't have a comic book in my hand. Hold on, let me, let me check. Let me check. No, he's not playing Stellaris right now. No, I, no, I already checked that. I, I, that's what I thought too, unless he was... Uh, no, I I was honestly listening to you three talk about these games and like the 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 interesting thing about and you forgot um, you're a co-host. Oh, no. Well, no, I just have anything to add. I'm not going to just jump in. That's what we um, do. Anyway, uh, this seems yeah, Skull and Bones seems like way more combat heavy than uh, the than Sea of Thieves right now, and it does look like it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know if it's going to be my thing, but it does look like it's going to be a lot of fun. You happy now? Don't be that Thank way. I was trying to include you, motherfucker. Try to be nice. You know what? Fuck you then. Go back to being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we had another look at uh, Transference, the weird first-person action adventure, not action adventure, adventure, puzzle game, horror, horror. psychological, whatever the fuck this thing is from Elijah Wood's weird-ass company. Looks crazy looks cool it's in vr he's taking the hobbit <laughs> it, size it looks it, it reminded me very much of her story 
that kind of thing. And if that's what it's going to be and it's done well, I'm perfectly all right with that. Her, her story as done by PT is kind of how it's... <laughs> okay, well, yeah, there's some of that. But but still, it's, it's, it's the same kind of idea as what the, the impression I got. Mm-hmm. Then we got our next look at Starlink, their space action shooting game based around the uh, Toys to Life Skylander-style franchise of building your own ships and sending them into combat, which I know, Joe, you're not a big fan of. I, oh, I want to love this. I want to fucking love this. Everything about this is everything that I would want in a sci-fi type of game yep. for just kind of fun. Let's go explore planets. Let's go do some weird ship-to-ship combo or combat stuff. It just... And and questing and and such, it just was like, I'm I'm watching it and I'm thinking, hold on, is this that one where you need to buy the oh motherfucker? Because I, I I wanted to love it, I want to play this, so, but I'm not buying. Roger, ships. were you like me? Did you get kind of like a Star Wars Rebels feel from this? Rebels plus, it was kind of like a Rebels meets No Man's Sky is the feel yes. that I got. Funny and you should yes. say that. And that's. I want that. Like that is and Star Fox? Motherfucker. I'll buy it on Switch then if I can do Star I, I Fox. I think the Switch version might keep this game alive longer than it, it would otherwise. If I Okay, I, let me put it to you this way, Joe, and then you can talk. If I can get if I can buy a ship for a reasonable amount of money. Uh, the the starter edition, which is the game, a ship, two pilots, and a couple of modular weapons, is currently selling at seventy-five dollars. Hey, yep. That's seventy-five US. No, no, that's yeah. too much. So, so see, I I'm not playing this fucking game because of that. So they're they're ruining a game, and and you would think they would have learned from the Skylanders shit that yeah, it made money for a while, but eh, not so much anymore because people clued into that shit, and that's why you're not seeing the Lego one either. So two things. One, um, there's a new term for the game that I think is absolutely appropriate, and I will never call it anything other than this, which is No Man's Skylander. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm in. I'm in. um, The second thing is insider baseball knowledge uh, is that I heard that the project lead is the one that had a hard-on for the idea of using toys and push that forward despite being told by several other sources that it was a terrible idea. Oh yeah, I well, just read is. the article about that. Yeah, so, as, like as someone who used to work, in space. As someone who used to work in retail, it's impossible to get anything to sell that's not Skylanders and as you said Roger, even Skylanders aren't selling that well anymore. Yeah. I it's too bad because really I throughout all of this eve E3 thus far, whenever they've been showing these types of game, because there's actually been a couple, I've been like, oh, because again, I really enjoyed No Man's Sky. Even with its faults, I fucking loved it and had a ton of fun with it. But I still saw its limitations. And so then this one, especially as I'm watching it and I'm looking at the 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 various things that they were doing from the questing to the, the planetary stuff, to the space combat to of course, Star Fox. And I'm going, I really, really want to play this game, but I, I cannot justify spending a crap load of money of fucking toys 
just so that I can be competitive in it and get through it in a reasonable amount of time. Again, if the one chip you buy, let me, let me put it to you that way, eventually this shit will go on sale. So if it mm-hmm. goes down to, say, even 50 US, I'm willing to buy the ship. As long as that's all I need to be able but to play not. through the entire game. And that's the problem. Yeah, so, like, and that, that's the problem that I have with it, too, is, like, not only that, but, like, from what I've heard from initial people that have played with these is that it is incredibly awkward to sequence break and swap out uh, the magnetized pods with your ship. So even if you don't, if you have the one ship and multiple pods or uh, one, you know, a couple pilots that you're trying to swap out in the middle of combat, which is sort of the core tenant of it, it becomes incredibly awkward depending on the controller you're using because the way that it works for each of these is for the switch, it hooks onto the Joy-Con holder. And if you don't, from my, I don't know how accurate this is, but I heard that if you don't have a proprietary Nintendo one, that it doesn't exactly clip on very well. So if you have a third-party one for wider hands or whatever, it it's awkward as hell. Um, the play the PlayStation Four controller, the way it hooks on is suspect at best, and the tightest connection is the one that is available for the Xbox controller but you still have to take your hands off of something on the controls Yeah, to take a piece off, put it down, grab the appropriate piece, and then put it onto the ship. Let, and- me, let me say this before you keep going. You also need to do this during tense moments yeah, I was just going to where you do not want to break your toys. As a grown-ass <laughs> grandfather, I would have to be careful so as not to break my toys toys <laughs> so that my ship can destroy this other pixelated ship and and that's yeah. the thing like in in the part that, that frustrates me so much about this because everything else i hear about this game from the gigantic boss battles to the content to the way that combat actually works and is responsive to how the ai reacts to you because this is one of those games where the ai actually learns what you're doing and like reacts appropriately like there's so many cool things about this game yeah. that I'm just not going to experience because I don't want to have a fucking Skylander thing hooked onto my goddamn controller that's bigger than my controller. Yeah, the peripheral for the Switch just looks like it's going to break. I couldn't even consider putting that on the, on the Switch. But hey, at the same time, Shigeru Miyamoto was there and he's the happiest guy in the gaming industry. The game of God, the game in our wing. <laughs> and in a in a in a fox pilot how can he not be happy yeah i that part i thought was awesome <laughs> but <laughs> the rest fucking sucked but yeah it, it's it's very for me personally as i looked at thus far e3 it's one of my top it might even be my top disappointment because it's it's a game that i so want to play but I don't think I will because of this. We should move on. Yes. After that, they had For Honor, which, much like Rainbow Six Siege, had a pretty lackluster launch. People liked it, but didn't feel there was enough to do, so they've continued working on it ever since it launched, putting out new content, new stuff to do, new modes, what have you. And it it's, from what I know, it's in a pretty solid place right now. People are enjoying it. They don't play it constantly, but it's... It's still in rotation for a lot of people. So now is the time uh, to, first of all, it is uh, from the 11th through the 18th, uh, free on PC through Uplay. 
So the how do you feel about that? Yes, the starter edition doesn't come with the DLC. It also doesn't come with all the characters unlocked. So the limitation on that, just so people are aware, you get six of the heroes, three of which are fully unlocked and customizable. The rest have to be unlocked uh, through gameplay or money. Right. But I mean, still, it's free. It's sure. free yeah, and it's I'm a not damn complain. good introduction to the game too. Yes. Uh, and at the same time, they've announced their first uh, full expansion, Marching Fire, in a great fucking trailer showing off the four new heroes from China now joining uh, the Medieval Knights, the Viking Raiders, and the Samurai. So it, it looks pretty great. New gameplay styles, awesome weapons. It's literally Dynasty Warriors in For Honor, except better than Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> and they also showed off the new uh, Breach Mode, which is essentially a castle siege. I, I'll say one thing about this, and it's actually not just about this game, but about gaming in general as it stands now because it, it struck me at this point and I, I and I think it's important to, to to bring up because it's kind of awesome because we're seeing at this e3 a lot more games that have female protagonists and mm-hmm. this is something that we on this podcast has been saying for like damn near 10 years now we want a lot more of this and we're all on social media. We all see the abuse that both women and devs take whenever female characters are introduced and the fanboys make such a big deal. But I think it's very important for those same devs to also hear from rational human beings when these things are announced because the rest of us see these things and think, that was fucking awesome. When that woman takes off her helmet and you realize, A, it was a woman who was doing this insane fighting, but also just the entirety of that cinematic was so profound and so well done. And I was thinking, you know, for all of the bitching that the, 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 again, the, the, the gamer gators and those, those horrible boys make whenever there's a a woman in a starring role, like in Assassin's Creed, which I'm sure you're going to get into as well. I think not just about us as players who have a, a breath of experience now that's been expanded because we're getting these stories finally being told. But I try to look at it now from the perspective of what about those devs? Those devs now are finally being able to create these fantastic stories with female protagonists that, Oh, seriously, I was having a moment. (laughs) This was, she's agreeing with you. (laughs) Would you be quiet? It's Tristan, shut up. But uh but yeah, we're having these fantastic games and, and 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 characters that devs are able to create that aren't just following the Tomb Raider when she was stacked uh, uh, uh formula, but can have these incredibly in-depth female characters for us to experience. So the devs, be they women devs or male devs are able to dive into storytelling from a different perspective. And as somebody who creates stories, I can tell you that's exciting. That's fun. I'm so happy that devs are able to experience that now. So regardless of what all the jackasses are saying, I think it's very important for them to hear from from us loudly how happy we are, not just that they're doing this, but that we're happy for them that they're getting to do this. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And another thing, because it, it's not just with this, we saw a lot of it with uh, Skull and Bones, as well as numerous other games. It, they're also doing it without fanfare. It's not yeah. like, hey, look, we put a girl in our game. Or look, this guy has a different color skin than usual. They're just fucking doing it like an actual world. Well, I will say that the Assassin's Creed kind of leaned into it and said, oh, look, we have both. But but that was... Yeah, but Assassin's Creed's been doing that. Assassin's Creed's been doing that since Liberation. They had a fem- they've had two female-only driven yeah. games already. So Yeah. Uh, the next to last game they showed was The Crew 2. Hopefully this one can live up to the potential of the franchise because, uh, Roger, I know you and I were both very interested in the first one and it didn't quite pan out. So fingers I, crossed. I know some people that stuck with it that are happy that they did because it did get Again, it's, it's what we're seeing from Ubisoft. Yeah. They're sticking with games that don't work and making them. And they make it, exactly, yeah. They, justifiably, Pretty much everything I saw for the crew two made me think, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be picking that up. As, as somebody who likes racing, racing across multiple platforms, be it you know dune buggies or cars or the formulas or even the bikes and, and fucking choppers, <laughs> like it just it looks pretty cool. And as I was watching it, which is the same thing that I thought as I watched a lot of the others, I know that none of you enjoy that kind of stuff. I'll make new friends that like racing. <laughs> but I was thinking <laughs> the idea of just kind of getting together with a few buddies and saying, how about we race across America tonight? Whoever gets across, regardless of how you get across, is the winner. Is a ton of fun. Like, I, I don't know how expansive it is, but the fact is it is going to be that big. So to be able to do that kind of stuff, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the, the thing that's bugging me is they're doing that thing where the game comes out on the 28th and they're doing a beta on the 21st, which means it's, yeah. it's not a beta. It's no, a it's demo. Not. Yeah, I agree. You're not, you're not fixing anything in that week. Yeah. And then finally we got Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I, I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game since Black Flag, which was God, what? Six years ago, maybe. maybe. No, it wasn't that long ago, was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was at least four games ago. And they took a year off in there, so somewhere around that. I'm not. I'm not far off. <laughs> uh, and because like 2013, not, by the way. All right. Well, five years in. It, not much really interested me about the franchise. October it, of 2013, four and a half years. <laughs> by the time Odyssey comes out, it will have been five. <laughs> <laughs> But I got to say, Odyssey is really catching my eye. I, yeah. I'm very impressed with what I'm seeing with this game. Uh, a lot of people that played Origins said that, you know, despite some uh, some glitchiness here and there, it was overall a pretty solid game, very enjoyable. Uh, so maybe maybe I'll be peeking back into the franchise this year or some point thereafter. Because, I, first of all, it's taking place in ancient Greece, uh, a setting I always adore. During the Peloponnesian War between Sparta and Athens... And you get to choose from two characters, Alexios and Cassandra. And let's be honest, nobody's fucking picking Alexios. Nope. Sorry, dude. Really? Or sorry no. to him. Sorry to him. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, don't <laughs> apologize. He sucks. <laughs> uh, badass Spartan warrior carrying a fragment of the spear of Leonidas. And this is where, like, I'm like, oh, we're getting back into this weird supernatural assassin's creed shit that i love because like it's like literally a super powered artifact that gives them 
tremendous abilities and like, all right, all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing here. And like you said, it was a uh, liberation was the one Joe set in the industrial revolution. Liberation was the, uh, the one in new Orleans. New Orleans. Orleans yeah. Yeah. That so was on where the, you the had, Vita first. That was awesome. What was, what was the one with the, the, the two playable characters then? Uh, crap. Unity. No, it wasn't Unity. It was the one no, after, it was one the one after Black Flag, the one in uh, England. No, it was it was because Black Flag. It was Black Flag, then Unity, then Unity, and then the other one, whatever yeah. the other one was, because you had the two playable characters, the brother and sister. Yeah, that's and the one the, in England that I'm talking about. Yeah, Unity was in France. Anyway, I'm pulling it up, motherfucker. I'm on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> <laughs> the the brother and sister. And the whole thing was you could switch between them because they had different abilities. Syndicate. Uh, Syndicate. Syndicate. Motherfucker. Yeah. You the, the brother was more of a fighter. The the sister was more sneaky. And I was like, okay. But what they're doing here is, no, no. Alexios and Cassandra are mechanically the same character. So you're going to pick one at the beginning of the game and stick with it because girls can do all the same stuff boys can do. Great. I'm in with it because Cassandra looks fucking awesome. She's a badass. I'm down with it. Oh, her voice acting is amazing, too. Yes, yes. I gotta, I gotta look up and see who's doing the voice acting. So I've got two takeaways from this. One, I'm really interested in this as a setting because this has a chance to actually loop back to Assassin's Creed 2 mm-hmm. and close a gap that's been out there since that game finished. So I'm really interested to see if they take that opportunity to do that. Please, God, let them do that. And two... Uh, I've had it with these fake recreations of history. Uh, it is well known that the Spartan men loved on other men. So if there is not a Roman <laughs> bathhouse in this game where there are men loving on other men it is a complete and total fucking failure. I'm just going to throw that out there. So take that all you fucking people that want to bitch about women in history. Fuck you. <laughs> well, they did show in the, in the demo, one of the dialogue choices between Cassandra and a female character had a little heart on it. Yep. So Maybe that's the direction they're going, and hopefully it works just as much for the boys as it does for the girls. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that out there because I've been going on about that all day. Like, I, it, <laughs> It's the perfect setting to do it. And, and also, what I'm really liking here, in addition to, like, it just looks great. It looks like it plays very well. Uh, but Assassin's Creed Origins was about the origin of the Assassin Order. Well, this game takes place a few hundred years before that. So there's no Assassin Templar bullshit with with the story like it's just gonna be focused on these characters and more importantly at least in my eyes these weird artifacts so this is doing world building for the assassin's creed franchise because the, I, I i didn't play too many of the, the the later games but i know especially in the assassin's creed 2 trilogy these crazy mystical artifacts that may or may not be alien technology are a very important part of the lore here so well, especially when you consider that the the trailer made a very big deal about focusing on the statues of the gods, mm-hmm. which the gods were the beings from the first games. So, yes, please continue this line of thought. Yes. Okay. Can we first also say, in terms of cinematics for a presentation, fuck Ubisoft has it down to an art form. Those. Those the stuff they were doing with like little marble sculptures. Yes, oh, was wow. amazing. Like props, guys. That was so well done. Uh, in terms of the game, if I can quickly say, 
I haven't played a lot of Assassin's Creed games. I've played a few, never finished a single one. Last one I played, like you, was the um, uh, Black Flag one, which I didn't finish either. But I, I didn't find Black Flag quite as engaging as a lot of other people found it, but that's just me. That said, this hit a personal thing for me as well, which is going to happen with... You know, you put out this many games in this many different locales, different time settings, you're bound to hit on something that's going to really interest people. And my wife and I were married in Greece. So as they were talking, I'm hearing that accent from when we were there. As they're walking around different places, the islands, Mykonos and all that, I'm going, fuck, we were there. When they're going up the pathway to the top, I'm going, I walked that shit back when I could walk. (laughs) Like, you know, like all of these things were really fucking cool to see in a game format of something that I got to experience with with my wife like 25 years ago so that was really fucking cool and that in and of itself is enough for me to say yeah I I really want to play this to experience that again I really like that it's building off of a lot of the stuff that Origins decided to to break because I've I've seen a lot of Origins gameplay it seems like it's a lot it's the first you know, Assassin's Creed game that might interest me. And so now Peloponnesian War, all this like, yeah, this looks like a really cool little game. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's pretty clear. You can flirt. So let's do it. They're going full Bioware. Well, never go full Bioware. Then you end up riding well, the bull. Never go. That's that's an uncomfortable experience. Well, it's funny you should mention that in drama. Roger and I were talking about that earlier, and I think that statement holds true for both. Bethesda and Ubisoft, they're becoming what we used to love about Bioware, yeah. right? Bethesda. Like, and they're embracing that, and they're just s- steering into it, and I'm A-OK with this. That's the thing that I thought when I was watching uh, Bethesda's. I, I was watching that, and, th- and, and it just kind of dawned on me, and part of it, of course, is with because of what, for me, was disappointing with Anthem, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? Like, I accept the bioware is not the bioware that i fell in love with much like i accept that blizzard is not the blizzard that i fell in love with i like some of what they're doing now i like some of what they're doing a lot and some of it pisses me off to no end and (laughs) bioware is the same way although bioware for the most part for me right now is just a lot of disappointment whereas bethesda i'm struggling to think of a time that they did disappoint me and they still understand, despite enormous success, the importance of single player, the importance of not nickel and diming your 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 fan base and everything else. Like as a studio and publisher, for me right now, Bethesda's pretty much at the top. I, I absolutely adore everything that they're doing. I can't disagree with that. So we have actually got a lot more E3 to talk about, but we have been talking for over two fucking hours. Well, everybody except for Marty. <laughs> and so we yeah, actually, talked for like 45 minutes. Yeah, you're done. Uh, so we're going to be covering Sony's, which I don't know if it's wrapped up yet, but it's going on now. It's wrapped, yeah. And then we've got Nintendo. There was also the PC Gamer show 
um, PC Gaming Sorry Show, which I actually, it, it started right before we started recording. I watched part of it, and there were actually legitimately some really, really good announcements and games that they talked about that I'll be bringing up next week when we talk about this. So thank you very much for joining us. You can find the show notes at For The Lore. You can find us on Twitter at For The Lore or individually. Joe is Loaders at J, Vince is Simodian, and Marty is Officer Gleason. You can also find us on Twitter and Stitcher and all that jazz. Leave us some comments if you'd like. Next week, like I said, we will be covering part two of this. And judging from what I was glancing at my Twitter feed... <laughs> Sony's Sony pressers. has some weird shit going on. Yeah, it seems like we're going to have some things to say about that. So I'm looking forward to that. So anyways, oh, yeah. we will Spider-Man. talk to you guys next week. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>